1: 65 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Team shot. Goal.
2: 65 Sports is presented by idealmri.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. idealmri.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Oh oh, my
1: what, a God. what a highlight! Isle Mind your manners. What a catch. Took it off of Travis Hunter's hat. 65 sports he's also brought to you by texas farm bureau insurance protecting texans since 1952
3: one final shot fowler nicolosi chucking it into the end zone everybody is there
1: is it caught is it caught colorado state dallin
4: Holker makes the catch it's a mere
1: subscribe to our YouTube channel search 365 sports on YouTube brought to you by TFNB your bank for life for the end zone tick and 20. 65 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at uniteprivatenetworks.com.
5: Third down and goal, six and a half in the quarter. And a touchdown! Tess Walker!
6: His first touchdown catch as a Tar Heel!
1: Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke.
7: All right, here we go on a Wednesday afternoon, and today we check in on Dana Holgerson at Houston for a second. Also, Air Force off to a great start. Their color analyst will join us, Jesse Kurch We'll check in with John Kirsch, No relation. Covers Kansas State. Uh, also today, uh, speculation about Jake Dickert, the head coach at Washington State, that he is trying to put the rest. Neil Brown with some interesting quotes, even though that was quite some time ago, but I thought it was interesting to share. And plus, Paul's favorite event, beer tasting, trying to break a Guinness Book of World Records. We'll get to that at some point today. Now, uh, one of the notes about college football is Draylon Miller, one of the best players in the state of Texas, a wide receiver athlete from Silsby, was committed to a and Last night he wrote the the you know, the letter about thank you to this and that, thank you to Jimbo Fisher, the staff, but he's backed off of his commitment to A and M and almost at least I believe the first five, ten, fifteen responses is always from another team fan base, and I think almost every one of them was LSU. <laughs>
8: well, if that's his was his second choice then, then maybe that's the case. Um Sometimes it's indicative of what's going on at A and M. Sometimes, you know, these guys just change their mind, heck their kids. But uh, if this starts happening a lot, then I think you know how people might be starting to feel about A and M and and Jimbo Fisher's staff going forward. And if they wanted to play for that staff that's that 's one thing, but there's the the interesting slippery slope that a m finds themselves in i we asked Sam Kahn about this yesterday uh, after his column is that Jimbo Fisher is recruited to a level that Texas A and m has never recruited to he 's just not been able to turn that into anything different than anything they 've ever accomplished before, so they now need to find the you know the coach who can continue to recruit at that level but turn it into results. Uh, winning the SEC and competing in college football playoffs, those are the things that the, the next guy would need to, to do if they get rid of Jimbo. And A&M finds themselves in a really, really strange position because there's only a few coaches who recruit to that level, and they're
7: all in pretty solid spots. Yeah, it's one thing to recruit. It's another thing to do something with them.
3: Yeah, that's also something that no one's ever done at A&M before. Yeah. It's to all of those things that you just mentioned. I mean, the recruiting part... Uh, people have Jimbo has Kevin Sumlin recruited well but you know playoff and winning the SEC nobody's done that nobody's yeah. even sniffed that so I mean that's nice to to be the goal but you know I also think that people need to be realistic as well and you know, the guy that they go and get next, whoever that is, whenever that is, because I don't get the sense that it's in the immediate future. Um, you know, that's going to have to be a once-in-a-lifetime type of guy because, again, no one's ever done any of that before. So I know there's a lot of hand-wringing this week over Jimbo and A&M, but, um, you know, decommitments are also just a part of the deal, too. You know, I don't know that this is, like, an ominous sign that the whole thing's starting to crumble, you know, even recruiting-wise, but it's not good. Obviously, you lose a top 100 wide receiver, but, I mean, I've seen – programs in the national title game get decommitments. Right. I mean, right. so, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe this week we're just a little too heavy on every little move made, and and maybe not. Maybe this is something more than that. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough blow just in general, regardless of the Jimbo situation on the recruiting trail. And if LSU gets him, you know, I think that would be unique because LSU doesn't typically go get a lot of skill guys from Texas. I mean, they've had some guys in the past, but if you really look at their rosters, like Josh Williams is from Texas, but they don't typically have running backs from Texas. Most of their receivers are from Louisiana. Um, they don't really have Texas receivers. I think, you know, I can count maybe on, two fingers the amount of Texas wide receivers that have played notable snaps for them over, like, years and years and years. Um, you know, again, the occasional quarterback, but they don't really they, – they mostly get defensive guys from Texas uh, when LSU recruits this state. So that would be unique. And, you know, as somebody who helps out with the Earl Campbell Award where we look at – Texas players across college football, I'd love to have some LSU representation because there's been so little of it uh, since the award started uh, for offensive skill guys. So, yeah, I I mean, on the one hand, I'm kind of cheering that. On the other hand, though, I understand Paul and, you know, Aggie fans' frustrations that everything just seems to be like it's going wrong right now. It's
7: not like they're not going to have other four-stars or et cetera, top 300, top 100 players that, that they still will add to their class, but that's just a little bit of a note. Mike Scarborough, who covers LSU, jack mckenzie's best buddy uh and his tweet response was hmm on that at the same time let's say lsu ends up picking him up they also had a player that was committed to them and you know this garrett andre evans a four-star has flipped to georgia and it's just a constant churn you pick one up you lose one wanted to start with that note about draylon miller now, it is Texas-Houston week. We've discussed about this even back when in 2021 when Houston was a part of the new foursome that would join the Big 12 this season. They're playing Texas at home. It'll be a one-off most likely. In fact, unless they happen to down-the-road play in some kind of a bowl game or playoff game. And I'm not saying that you're like, oh, my God, that's not going to happen. Just never know. But uh, this is from our good friend Joseph Duarte. Dana Hogerson and his weekly radio show. We got Texas coming to the third ward to the University of Houston. It's a big deal, and our players know it's a big deal. We're going to go shoot our shot. Good for him. That doesn't mean it won't be 50-12, whatever the score might be, but what the hell. Have the game, play with your head, your hair on fire, and see what happens. Well, you know, this is one of those things where
8: for Houston – other than the pressure they would put on them, there's no pressure on them. Like, no one expects them to win this game, even after their dramatic win last week and, and what was maybe their best overall performance of the season. Although, I know when you have to have a Hail Mary to win a game, it can't be perfect. But, you know, Donovan Smith's best performance by far, especially in the second half, sure. where the ball only hit the ground what one time, I think. And he fit, he completed his last 16 passes, including the, the Hail Mary to win the game. So... Yeah, I mean, like, why not go out there and, you know, say, damn the Torpedoes, it doesn't matter, and throw, like, completely empty out the whole playbook and see what happens because no one in the world is expecting them to win this game.
3: No, I don't think anybody's really expecting it to even be all that close Mm -hmm. either. Um, You know, I think the spread indicates that. I think most of the conversation about that, because every time somebody brings up that, oh, it's cool that Houston's hosting... But, you know, they might lose 50-20, to I mean, like you just said. So I think that the expectation is they will get blown out on their home field, but I still feel like it's a cool opportunity. I think that's the way you've got to look at it if you're Dana Holgerson is, you know, yeah, shoot your shot. Like, okay, so, you know, uh, I mean, who's like – I don't even know. I'm I'm aged out of, like, who even the cool people are anymore at this point. So, you know, I used to be able to say, like – I guess it'd be like Kim Kardashian or something. I don't even know if she ranks up near there anymore, but like, yeah, she's probably going to say no. But hey, if you throw out the, the, the shot one time and she says yes, well, then hey, there you go. So if Houston rolls out there one time, maybe that's the day. Maybe that's the game. Maybe that's the, you know, the, the one time they're going to jump up and get Texas and, and upset them at their home place. So, uh, yeah, all you can do is go out there, roll the ball out and play to the best of your abilities. And you are going to be out talented. You're going to be, you know, outgunned in a lot of ways, but, hey, it's football and crazier things happen. But, yeah, I think most people are expecting a blowout. Nevertheless, it's still a cool opportunity for the school that they otherwise wouldn't have had being if not in the Big 12. And so with Texas on their way out the door, this was one of the things that I was hoping to see was, yeah, send them to Houston and just make that you know something kind of unique. And so we're going to get that. And, you know, I look forward to seeing however that game unfolds. But certainly, uh, you know, not expecting a, a huge surprise come Saturday. No,
7: I, I, I'm not either. If it is – then whatever has not been uncomfortable down in Austin would become very, very uncomfortable. And and I, I said fifty to twelve. I'm not so sure. That's not how I would predict the game. And that's out of no disrespect to the University of Houston. Neil Brown, Garrett, the Neil Brown quotes. I know this game was on Friday night, uh, Thursday night, and it was the Hail Mary. Uh, but here are some of his quotes. Remember the penalty. Garrett Green scored on the fourth and ten at the fifty. Uh, threw a touchdown pass. Went nuts. A lot of players went crazy. Celebration. And even under those circumstances, most officials are going to try to give you the benefit of the doubt. But he peeled off his helmet, started running down in front of the sideline, not in front of uh, uh, in front of West Virginia, but his own sideline. It was an obvious call. So there were some that also, were like,
3: "It would have been in front of West Virginia. It's his own
7: team." That's what I meant. At West Virginia sideline. So he peeled off his helmet. Neil Brown, when somebody was asking him, uh, this is in the post game of the day after. The rule is clear. Don't take your helmet off. It's not hard. Keep your helmet on. We can celebrate all we want on our sidelines. I'm not saying that decided the game... But that's ridiculous. There's probably nothing I am more upset at than that. He also was discussing they had eight penalties. He didn't like any of them the way they were. And he's not complaining about the celebration penalty. He was complaining about the fact that West Virginia put themselves in that position.
8: Yeah, that's exactly what you have to approach it as a coach. And you can think the rule is silly, all you want, but the fact remains that it's the rule. So it's there, and you don't want to do that like – As crazy as it like and that's the the way you have to learn the lesson the hardest way is when you go to your team and say, This is why you don't take your helmet off, you know, that fifteen yards of field position might have been exactly what they needed. Oh, because they just had to
7: complete like a ten or twelve yard pass to be to the point where they're at the midfield or forty nine yard line to throw the the dark that Donovan Smith did,
8: yeah, absolutely, so yeah, it sucks for West Virginia that they had to learn that um, you know to keep kind of your emotions in check uh, the hard way, but I like the way Neil Brown responded to it he didn't you know get in a soapbox about the rule being silly, and you know i I think and I think that's one of the things that' we'll, we started to see in the NFL go away a little bit and it'll it eventually it'll get to college. the helmet rule has a you know it has a reason to exist, but you know, celebration penalties have gotten more lax. I think people have understood that it's an emotional game. And, you know, when people do those things, they're not like – they're experiencing joy. They're not experiencing like, I don't want to taunt somebody. I'm just happy. But that one, yeah, was a silly penalty that they got. And, you know – Uh, Don't take your helmet off. Yeah, don't take your helmet off.
3: It's pretty simple, and I think, you know, at the end of the game, I was wondering how that was all going to go down because he was hanging around, and it looked like they were almost going to protest the game at the end, and the way he was talking to the officials, and he couldn't, like, really let the game, like, end because I was waiting for him to like you know just stand there for minutes on end and, and fight it and then you know eventually after a minute or two he just gave up and, and moved on and I guess he probably just realized in that moment like yeah I mean it is what it is
7: well its what its well one of the things that excuse me one of the things they met was because they were wanting to know if they were going to kick the extra point because if you block the extra point right. and run it back you tie the game and and so the concern was, do you run the extra point? Houston would have just taken a knee. You would hope, unless they were obviously Miami. But that was also why that was a long conversation.
3: Yeah, so it looked like there was going to be you know maybe a protest or a fight over that, and that fizzled out really quickly, which I was kind of glad to see because I thought initially he was going to you know say he was going to try to just argue it. But um, you know I commend him for handling it the way that he has and not making it a bigger deal or not trying to you know go into the post game or bring it into this next game week and make it still be a thing and. That can turn into a distraction really easily, or that can result in your team feeling like they did nothing wrong when clearly they did. They, right, he, they made the right, the wrong decision and taking uh helmet off, and you know you can call it an archaic rule or whatever you'd like to, but the fact is, it is what it is. And so, yeah, that's a tough, awful way to lose. Um, You know, they still had to go and complete a Hail Mary. They still had to give up that play for for the game to go the way that it did. Um, But I like the way that Neil Brown handled that. It
7: was a different Hail Mary than I've almost ever seen. Most of the time, it's a high arcing like a punt. And you just hope for the tip or somebody just falls in their lap or their stomach. This one was a dart, a laser beam that tipped up just enough. West Virginia tried to pop it out of the hands. Didn't work. Touchdown, Houston. All right. So Jake Dickert's a hot topic, right, Paul? You've you've uh, and they've they've had a little bit of a funk in the last couple of weeks. But it's
8: called, it's called Arizona.
7: Yeah, but Greg Woods <laughs> and he also does uh, credit John Canzano with a different same type story. Though I asked Jake Dickert about uh, the Athletic report and he was a candidate at Michigan State. Asked him too. So did Joe Can- John Canzano. Both times, Dickert has denied any contact with Michigan State. I'm all about holding people accountable, but if we ask coaches about every rumor, that's all we would ever ask. And Kuka Sutra has been on the show. A big Washington State fan was asking about, do you know if there's been any formal contact with Michigan State and also Jake Dickert?
8: Uh, I, I think Jake Dickert would be a good head coach for anybody to hire um, if, you, if you were trying to wrestle him away from Washington State. I'm curious about him and, and Jonathan Smith and what they see as their future, especially given that the end of the season may come and you still might not have clarity on what your schools are going to be really doing, you know? So if you like when it comes to recruiting and all the different things and what's your schedule going to be, uh, I would think that by the end of the season there will be, but man, it's the middle of October right now and they don't have any answers and they're in court. So, you know, do you, if you're – John and Jonathan Smith said his alma mater, you know, Jake Dickerson, a great job. Under really strange circumstances coming out of Nick Rolovich's firing for for not getting the vax, uh, vaccine and all the things that happened, he's done a great job there. But do you just decide, like, look, if Michigan State's going to hire me, that's much more stability, theoretically, than I have here at, at, at Wazoo right now. But I don't think that maybe – Michigan State's all the way down that road. They're there yet. Yeah, they should be here in a couple weeks though.
3: I mean yeah the mediation's ongoing with the uh, Pac-12 schools and figuring out what they're you know ultimately going to do um, as far as that legal battle goes and um, you know I think it's been kind of quiet on the coaching front so it's interesting to start sort of getting that and I guess we're at the halfway point so it only makes sense that it's about time to start talking about coaching positions. I guess there's just not a lot of Grand Slam candidates to be on the hot seat right now. You know, even Neil Brown, who seemed like an obvious at the start of the year, um, very clearly has cooled that off. You know, Dave Aranda, we can talk about him, but he's not really on the hot seat. I wouldn't put it that way at all. Like lukewarm is what we said yesterday at best. Um, So you really think about it, and other than the jobs that just kind of abruptly opened up, like a Michigan State, there's really not anything – that I can think of, that's sort of. I mean, Paul, like you the top five. Is, yeah. I don't think there's really any big coaching. No. Co- I mean, the Jimbo I mean, thing, like that's just ongoing, and that's not but, really like it's about to happen like, or anything. I
8: can tell you the ones that are like, if I had to, like if I was betting in Vegas, or who's going to come open? I would say Boston College, Nevada, things like that. But if you're Jake diggert like why would you, why would you leave Wazoo to go to Boston College or Nevada? Like you know, Boston College is in a Power Five for sure, but even still, like. Wazoo's a better job than Boston College is, even in the, in the situation it, it, it currently sits in right now. So, yeah, those are the things that are, that are probably for sure going to open up. You know, uh, where's Butch Jones? That one might open up. You know, like, he, like so those, those jobs are open. Now, look, if Texas A&M opens up, then any coach who would be interested in going to the SEC and making a ton of money are going to put feelers out on that one. But that would be only the second big one Uh, in Michigan State was less to do with the coach's performance, at least at this time, and and totally to do with the fact that he, he did a stupid thing off the field.
3: Yeah, so you've got a big job that's opened up, and there's going to be a lot of candidates for that, especially when there's not a lot of them opened up. So, you know, Michigan State's a big deal for any coach looking to make a jump right now. I don't know, obviously, what Jake Dickert wants to do. I know that, you know, he's going to give quotes, and people are going to take that however they want to, but they mean absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, I mean, he gave the quote, I have not talked to a single person, not just in the bye week, but any week. I love being here. I don't need to defend my position here. This is a job that I'm here to do. Move our. I mean, does that sound like every other coaching Ab, statement like a, before he's like... either stayed or left paste. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you have, let's, let's break it down for the folks who haven't done the coaching carousel thing. Of course he's not talked to anybody because his agent would be talking to anybody. Now, is there anything to it? I don't know, but I think he'd at least have to kick the tires. I mean, anybody would just to see what the money is and Hey, uh, by the way, Washington State, Michigan State just called. They're offering me $4.5 you know, whatever it is a year. So he's going to play the game. But, you know, I, I hope for Washington State's sake that he does stay there, uh, especially in this time of turmoil, in this time of uncertainty. He's a great fit there, um, and they're doing a really good job with that program. And I know that, uh, you know, especially in the face of uncertainty, you want to have as much stability as you can. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but no surprise that his name's being mentioned, and um, the Michigan State you know, search in general has been just kind of quiet. I've seen a little article here and there, but I would imagine that we're going to start getting kind of in the heat of that thing here as we start to hit the second half of the season um, and whatever other jobs may may open up. But I think Michigan State does sit in a good spot to where they are kind of the only premier, I guess you would call it, spot that's open at the moment. And so that's as opposed to the last couple of years when you've had – like, every oh. job no-demand has been open. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC. Oregon. No, or like well, so years ago. Miami. Ago. I mean, all these jobs have been open. Um, and it's not quite building up to be that way this year. So, yeah, there's going to be, you know, a few candidates that uh, have a better shot at a bigger leap, I guess. Absolutely.
7: One of the things I want to bring up, well, Craig started listing all those names of those schools that were open the last couple of years. One of the reasons somebody was bringing up the Dave Aranda extension those jobs were open right after twelve and two, or in in yeah. the middle of it. Okay. And that's one of the things that that so somebody asked about. Even, why did they extend him? And that was one of the reasons. Yeah.
8: So like, just kind of trying to extrapolate out, like what like bigger jobs could be open. Like what's bigger than Washington State that could be open? Okay, Michigan State could be open. Um, Cal i mean maybe i don't like okay th- like you wouldn't
3: the state for cow
8: yeah yeah exactly um in the sec really you're talking about the potential of AM and perhaps arkansas just because of the way they've gone everybody else has re- replaced their coach in the last couple of years that would have done that so it would be premature
7: what about mississippi state because I mean, it's just been one year I, ago no i know i don't want i i yeah, I, yeah that guy took over a Hellacious situation with Leach, but it just that's a the possibility of yeah. what what the um, contract is with them.
8: You know, so and then you look at the Big Ten, like okay, Michigan State's already open, Indiana's probably going to be open, uh, Northwestern could be, but Northwestern might hire Braun because he's he's done a, a yeah. pretty good job in the face of like a, something completely out of his control. So. I don't know. Big Twelve might have have one or two, if that you know. Well, so. yeah. they
7: might have guys who go elsewhere, and that's, yeah. that's not trying to bring up something because we want Kleiman. I want Kleiman and Leipold and them, Pat, Matt Campbell, to remain in the conference. Craig.
3: Yeah, I mean, just the overall point here is that Jake Dickard's is going to say what he has to say to keep it moving, and if there's anything talking behind the scenes, then yeah, he's not involved with it per se. But it's his attorney. Or it's his uh, agent or whoever, Um, but yeah, he's going to be one of many people that I'm sure Michigan State kicks the tires on, and some of these other jobs probably at least look into, but I hope, like I said, that he stays at Washington State because they seem to have a good thing going, but yeah, not surprised to hear his name mentioned. I'm just surprised that there hasn't been more coaching carousel talk in general um but that's also the the lack of jobs and the fact that there's been so many over these last couple years that have opened up
7: by the way Garrett we'll save that note on Kiefer Sibley from Connolly a little bit later in the show because we have rapid fire with guests including Chris Williams cyclone fanatic we'll have Dan Hope who covers Ohio State also John Kurtz covers Kansas State Jesse Kurtz not related USA Air Force Academy Color Analyst, and then also uh, much more to get to, Ricky Thompson, in the late 4 o'clock hour. And Tim Brando today will join us at 5, and this is 365 Sports. Yellow fin tuna inside that butcher shop right now at Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive. They have uh, Atlantic Ocean, uh, the Norwegian salmon, and their fillets are delicious along with the yellow fin tuna on sale for $14.75 a pound. On top of that, chicken drumsticks and whole chickens have a sale of $0.99 cents or $1.25 per pound. Tri-tip for a tailgate or whatever you want to do to smoke some good heavy meat at some point during the weekend or anytime time for $4.99 a pound. If you want to make some kind of a stew or beef and potatoes, chuck roast at $5.85 a pound. Select beef fillets at $10.99 a pound. Charcoal, pellet fuel, cold beer, cold wine, all the knickknacks you need, marinate, seasonings, and more. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family have been in the meat business, the meat packing business, for years. And my goodness, they do a great job. At 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco.
5: Some say a dog is a man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows, pigs, and turkeys, too. I love to cover them in sauce down at Rudy's Barbecue.
3: Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue.
5: Next in line.
1: During Jeep Adventure Days, save big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500. Or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels. Or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco.
7: Boozer's is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozer's is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas, they have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let at Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces. And Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco.
2: Boozer.
8: Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore
7: Drive and North 19th Street, and new Now, downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543.
3: Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming
1: warm welcome home this is 365 sports
2: the three o'clock hour is sponsored by waco custom marketplace meats sweets texas treats and a cut above the rest 425 lake air drive waco chris
7: williams cyclone fanatic covers iowa state joins us on 365 sports with paul craig and i'm david smoke chris thanks for your time so what has changed with Iowa State, is it the schedule? Is something changed? What's going on with Matt Campbell and his Cyclones?
6: Better question is what hasn't changed. the The whole thing's different. Um, I, I give Matt a lot of credit. They they came into this season, and you know there there was the gambling thing, right? Where yeah. you lose five starters on offense, your nose guard, um, and but but you still at least. If you're Iowa State, you had that defense from last year to fall back on. Top 10 nationally, you know, it was really good. They just, they turned the ball over too much and they couldn't score. And, you know, they come into this year and they're okay in this opener against Northern Iowa, but then the next two games were really, really just abysmal offensively. It was clear uh, to anybody watching the team that they just, hadn't made the strides that they needed to make up front. They're working in a new quarterback. You know, think about this, guys. Quarterback, running back, starting, starting quarterback, starting running back, starting tight end, starting right tackle are all out on that offense because of this gambling deal. And they're playing right now 17 freshmen per game. So, you know, a couple things have happened. One, you know, those guys who they really like, They've gotten some reps, but two, I give Campbell credit because they, they changed after that Ohio loss. They changed the whole offense up. You know, they have completely opened things up. They, instead of playing, you know, playing to the defense like you thought they were going to do really ugly things up, they have completely relied on this freshman quarterback, Rocco back and they have trusted him and they're using the whole field. And I think what that's done is that's made the line better, right? It's easier to block when the defense doesn't know what you're going to do exactly. And it's really come together nicely for them. Yes, the schedule is lightened up, but, you know, the the way I look at it with Iowa State is, you know, I think Texas and Oklahoma are kind of at a different, you know, hemisphere right now than the rest of the league. And I think Iowa State's very able, they're not going to beat every normal big 12 roster, but, you know, Campbell's in what is eighth year, like there's continuity there, their developmental program, they should be able to win a lot of these games. And I think it's just, you know, that with this young of a team, they had to take their lumps early. They did. I think that they have developed a lot since the beginning of the season and they're playing their best football right now, going into, you know, that Baylor game next week.
8: So Rocco Beck was the guy they turned to, and I know a lot of Iowa State fans thought it would be J.J. Cole instead. What did Rocco do that that over that allowed him to overtake J.J. Cole?
6: He's just more. He's just ready. You know, mm-hmm. you could see it. That Cole played a lot in the opener, and and he was fine, but he looked like a true freshman. He's thinking the the game was moving fast. Beck, I mean, if if anybody didn't know, like their recruiting rankings, and you watch the two guys in the opener anybody in their right mind would have said that guy looks like he's ready to play. And this, and this guy does not And that's all it is. It's JJ is a true freshman. Not only that, he's a young, true freshman. I mean, he, he's, he's going to be like a junior or senior in college before he can even legally drink. So he's a really young guy <laughs> and you know, they don't have a great line. They don't have a very good running game. Like if I'm Matt Campbell, I'm sure as hell not putting my price, you know, freshman quarterback out there. And it's it's been the right call. Rocco Beck is a, you know, really intelligent kid. His dad's a head coach in the XFL, played the NFL. Like The kid's been brought up around football. He's a film geek. And he's he's pretty darn athletic, too. Um, and that's one of the things he has over Cole, where he, he can kind of roll out a little bit, you know, with a subpar line and i just think that he can handle it more right now and and i think it'll be better for jj long term too because to me you know especially at the beginning of the year like i don't see the point in in getting your true fresh there's not a lot positive that can come from him getting hit that much getting his teeth kicked in and um you know he's got i think he'll be a better quarterback because he's been able to sit and watch for a year
3: Chris, what have you thought about the, the – I mean, you mentioned the running game has been uh, not that great, and I know they've got you know young guys there as well like Eli Sanders and, and, and Norton, among others, but uh, the receivers. I mean, Noel's a great player, uh, got also Higgins there as well. So just kind of in, in terms of the, the weapons around back, how have you seen the development there, and what excites you about what you see?
6: Well, the running game has really come on, and I, I, I credit that because the passing game came on the – be frank I, I think that it, it opened up a lot I think that they've always had capable athletes at running back but it was you know you got to have somewhere to go and they've been able to really open that up a lot um, in the last couple weeks because they've spread things out I mean they've got 10 11 guys catching passes every week which is you know that's an awesome stat like it makes it hard for a defense because you don't know where it's going to come from Noel yeah, uh, he's, he's a really good kick returner. The guy I'm really bullish on is Jay Higgins. He's um transferred from Eastern Kentucky, who they tabbed as a starter the day they saw him come in in the spring. Uh, they loved him that much. And he had his breakout game last week against Cincinnati. He had, like, 172 yards and on like, six catches. So, like, he was very explosive. I think he's the guy back half of the year that will be, you know – talked about probably on shows like yours more and then there's another one too who you you don't probably know his name now but keep an eye on his name Ben Bramer he's a true freshman tight end caught his first touchdown last week but he is huge and uh, I I think they'll keep working him in as well but they've got a lot of really nice weapons guys just again they're so young so I think with that you just have to expect some up and downs right now things are up for the cyclones, but it's like, you know, I was warning fans last week, it's like hey they want a couple in a row, but like this isn't like some Iowa roster that you know I would say roster that can just go out there and sleepwalk and beat a good big Twelve opponent. It's it's not gonna be like that, but man, I, I give them a lot of credit. It's, it's a, After that Ohio loss, man, things had gotten yeah. really down around here and it's completely turned the corner. You got people talking about bowl game and having an outside chance at Dallas, which is crazy early. I'm not saying that, but just the fact that fans were even thinking about it shows how far that's coming, Bob.
7: Yeah, you know, and, and the fact that doing it with so much youth, we had a, a note from somebody that's an Iowa State fan that sent a note to me about that they might have, you mentioned, what, 17 freshmen and all that you have coming back if you can get to a bowl game, first of all, and get back on track and then have a loaded roster if you can recruit them back to your roster. That's, that's a great future.
6: No doubt. You know, I kind of wish it was a different era of college football, yeah, right? Because, right. you know, you, you would be really excited. Iowa State's doing mm-hmm. the best it can with the NIL world, but it, it certainly doesn't have the money that a lot of its big 12 brothers do. But that's where Campbell – you know, guys, as far as that goes, though, like I'm a firm believer that these players, first and foremost, they want to play. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys that are playing right now at right. Iowa State and getting these great, great opportunities to develop – probably wouldn't be getting that in a lot of other places. And, you know, you just hope that Iowa State can come up with enough to keep them around. Because I agree with you guys that they do. I think that Campbell, you know, I've been around Iowa State 20 years now. And, like, this new Big 12, it feels like the first time in my career where I could look at it and say, okay, Iowa State's finally, like, punching it in a big class. Like, there's not a single program in this new big 12 that Iowa state, you know, cannot aspire to be like, or, or be on
9: a regular basis.
6: You're not, you're not going to be a football powerhouse, but like it's, man, the playing field's a lot more level. And I feel like the continuity that Campbell's had just being there as long as he has, having his coordinators stick around for the most part, that's a real plus, uh, for, I think for any program going into this new era.
8: Yeah. Chris, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, outside of whatever Deion Sanders is going to do for however long he's in the conference, you know, cause that, that recruiting uh, circle is probably a little bit different than where everybody else is going to live. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, why would you not, if you're Matt Campbell, want to stay and, you know, play for a conference title every, every few years where Iowa state, like you said before, playing for the conference title was such a foreign idea to them.
6: Yeah. I mean, they, they never did other than the one, the COVID year, right? It's 20 and they, they lost Oklahoma in that one. But beyond that, like, I don't know, if they've never won a big 12 championship. And it's like, especially now, like, I mean, I don't, you know, nationally college football, like us guys, we like talking about the playoff and everything, but it's like, well nowadays it's actually kind of realistic with the new setup for any of these programs to to jump in. All you got to do is win your league one time and boom, you're, you're in there. So yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting thing. It's like, okay, if you're like a guy like Matt Gamble, maybe you take a million or two less per year, but you're you you think that you, you believe in your process that you can consistently be in the upper half of this league and then you have a peak year and you can jump in there or okay, do you wanna go coach in the Big Ten or the SEC and you know, go take over Purdue and try competing in that league going forward? Like I I, I think it's really fascinating and it, it, to me, it's a lot like these players, too. It's like if you're J.J. Cole or Rocco Beck or whatever, and some SEC team is going to give you a hundred thousand more, we want you to come, but you're going to be third string. It's, these guys want to play, right? And that's, that's where I think Iowa State's going to hang at that. And boy, what a fascinating world, too, though, where you have 17 true freshmen playing. Mean, that was not have happened 10 years ago. And it shows you Campbell's not dumb, uh, getting these guys on the field the way that he is.
3: No, yeah, it's fascinating times for sure. Uh, it's weird and wild and an interesting landscape that we're in right now with college football. And yeah, I, I like I like that you mentioned like seventeen freshmen, but also like. Gotta, you can't just plan that they're all going to be there for three and four years, you know? So how, how coaches navigate all this will be uh, really interesting with, with it all shifting. But uh, Chris, I mean, the Iowa State hangs their head on defense. They've always done that. Um, how would you just size up? Obviously, the unit's good again, but how would you size them up just in comparison to maybe what we've typically seen in recent years?
10: Well, they,
6: they haven't been as good. Uh, I'll, I'll break it down to you. Their secondary is probably the best in Iowa State. They've got two really good corners, two really good safeties um tj tampa is probably the best corner you guys will probably see all year coming into waco i mean he's a legit like potentially could sneak into the first round like that type of a guy um you know they have i I would say their d line is what they've really been able to hang their hat on with this time stack they've they've always had a guy in the middle that can take on two and then it frees up an edge um it hasn't been as dominant this year uh, they haven't been bad. They've been okay. I think where they've really taken a step back is at linebacker. Angles haven't been as good. But I will say this though, like in their credit, the last two games I think are the best games that that linebacking core has played. They're really young. They got a true freshman, Sadowski, uh, playing there in the middle. And you know we'll we'll kind of see. Like uh, Oklahoma abused them, but Oklahoma is going to abuse a lot of linebacking cores, right? Yeah. So. But they, they really were dominant last week. I mean, it was a really, I don't know how good Cincinnati is, but I tell you what, like it, it, that, that game wasn't even as close as the score would have indicated. They're, they're getting better. Uh, I don't think they're as good as they were a year ago, but man, when you lose a guy like Will McDonald, you know, the first round, it's it's hard. And, but I, I think Haycock's as good of a defensive mind as there is in the league and, you know, I I told my audience, like, I would buy the stock of the defense when it was low a couple weeks ago just because Haycock, right? Because you know he's going to get those guys schemed up in the right spot. And, you know, against a couple of not great offenses in TCU and Cincinnati, man, they've looked pretty good. So if if they can keep going at this rate, I think they got a real shot to get six and get to a bowl game, which seemed unfathomable a couple weeks ago.
7: Chris, we appreciate your time. Cyclone Fanatic, it's great turnaround for Iowa State. And uh, whether they keep it going or not, we'll see them in a couple of weeks. And who knows if Baylor's in the middle of yet another longer winning be, streak or I would say they're coming off be a in that yeah, game. Yeah. I would think they'd be favored in Waco, no matter what Baylor does in Cincinnati, where they're an underdog. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time as always. That's Chris Williams, Cyclone Fanatic. Dan Hope covers Ohio State next. He'll join us. And then a Kurtz back to back on. Kansas State and also Air Force. Make a comment, Craig, and we'll hit the break. Oh, I thought you were going to comment. When we come back, Dan Hope an Ohio State, Penn State, the ultimate of the bangers this week, the version of Washington and Oregon, maybe. That's next. This is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com can save you money. It could also find out what is hurting you in your shoulder, your back, perhaps in your quad or maybe knee, ankle somewhere in your body where something hurts so bad that it shuts you down, you can't sleep, you can't function, and it just hurts like heck. Ideal MRI and the MRI machine that they have, state-of-the-art technology in Waco, is going to find that for you. They're going to find out what is damaged, and maybe they'll find that there is no damage, and so now your doctor can have another diagnosis and figure something out, maybe through therapy that helps you out a little bit. As far as physical therapy, who knows? Who knows? Ideal MRI will save you money. I mentioned that $497 is what it will cost. $497 every time and maybe less. They'll help you file file insurance. And the average MRI is $1,100 and a little bit more than that. Ideal MRI, Dr. Rob Maxey and his staff and the partners there, they do a great job. I've been there four times and they have been amazing at IdealMRI.com
4: call can make all the difference on and off the field i'm mark stewart with bird colgian ford when it's time for a new car truck or suv bird colgian ford is the right call come check out our award winning lineup of best-selling models in their class like the mustang explorer expedition f-150 and super duty make the right call for your next vehicle at bird colgian ford bird colgian ford proudly supports baylor athletics Sikkim bears
7: Don Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room Cuatro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the was Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Go Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The Butcher Shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or wacocustommarketplace.com
2: This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor & Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Well, one of the
7: ultimate of the bangers throughout the entire season and also obviously this weekend is Penn State and Ohio State as the Big Ten with Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, right there in the middle of it. Dan Hope, 11 Warriors, joins us on 365 Sports. Dan, thank you for your time. How much fun, just the week it is, and, and just the fact that now both teams will know a lot more about themselves after this weekend.
11: Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, this is certainly an, an enormous game for, for both sides, both coming in undefeated, just massive Big Ten East ramifications in this game, you know, really a game that if you want to, Uh, Control your destiny in the Big Ten. You have to win this one. So uh, certainly a lot of excitement here in Columbus uh, for the game, and I can't wait to see what happens on Saturday. All
8: right, Dan, so these are two really good defenses and two very efficient offenses. Um, Where on the scale of Iowa no points to, like, where it could be Oregon and Washington shootout, do you expect this game to fall?
11: Yeah, somewhere very much in the middle of both those two extremes. I mean, I these you know I think these certainly these two offenses are not going to get you know shut out like Iowa, but I also do not think we're in for the shootout that maybe we've seen in some past games with Ohio State and Penn State because, uh, like you said, for one, you know Penn State's defense is is really good, and so I mean even a you know elite Ohio State offense would struggle to put up a ton of points on this Penn State defense, but you know this Ohio State offense isn't quite as explosive as the ones we've seen uh, in recent years from Ohio state. But the good news for Ohio state is Ohio state's defense is a lot better than the ones we've seen the last few years in Columbus. And so I, I think, you know, I, I see this as a game or probably both teams are probably somewhere in the twenties. I mean, I, I think that there'll be a little bit of scoring, but not a ton.
3: Dan, uh, you mentioned that the offense, uh, Working its way through the quarterback situation early on, settling on Kyle McCord. How have you thought that that's gone, and uh, just what have you made of of the way that he's played up to this point?
11: Yeah, I think he's made steady improvement. You know, I think, you know, he's not C.J. Stroud right now. He's not Justin Fields right now, but I I think we've seen him get better. I think especially since Ohio State named him the firm starter, I, I think, you know, he's settled in. He's gotten into a much better rhythm. You saw it in the Notre Dame game. You saw it in the Maryland game where they struggled early that when the game's been on the line and they've needed him to be at his best, he has been. And so I think there's been a lot of good things. You know, he's not at that elite level yet that we've seen from the last few Ohio State quarterbacks. But I, I think he's he's doing well. And I think on a team where, you know, the, the defense has been really good, you know, he's, he's been at, at the minimum good enough.
7: Marvin Harrison Jr. even thought of early on as a possible Heisman Trophy candidate. He's put up 19.5 yards per catch, 604 yards and five scores. Has he had the year everyone expected, or is that also a part of bringing in the young quarterback and kind of getting to know each other?
11: Yeah, I mean, the expectations for him were so high coming into the year that it was going to be hard to ever fully live up to them, but I still think he's the best receiver in the country. He's still the best player on the team and he's still doing fantastic things pretty much every week. So, you know, there were a couple games there where uh, he didn't get the ball a lot and those have kept him from putting up those kind of numbers that he would need to really be a Heisman candidate. But he, he's still the next one.
8: Dan, are these teams approaching this like an elimination game even though it's it's technically not?
11: I think they should be because, I mean, especially if you look at it from Ohio State's perspective, you think of that kind of hypothetical Three way tiebreaker scenario where Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan all beat each other once. In that scenario, Ohio State wouldn't be favored because it, it basically would come down to the non divisional games tiebreaker, and Penn State would have the edge in that category right now. And so I think Ohio, I think Ohio State does need to win this game if it's going to win the Big Tenny.
3: Just in general, how do you feel about what's to come? I mean, I know this season's obviously, this this weekend, I mean, it is super interesting. We don't want to look too far ahead, but the fact there will be no divisions, the fact there's going to be, you know, four big brands joining starting next year, just you as, as a fan of, of, you know, the Big Ten and, and seeing what all's going on, what do you think about it all?
11: I mean, it's going to be different, right? Because, I mean, th- this week would feel a little bit different if we were talking about next year because not just the fact that it's going to be divisionless, and so Ohio State and Penn State could be competing for two spots in the Big Ten Championship game, but also the 12-team playoffs where this week's game would not so much feel like everything is on the line. Now, with that being said, I, I'm looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to it because, I mean, I just think you look at this college football season in general, I, I think that the way this season has gone so far, it almost played out perfectly that if this had been the first year, of the 12 team playoffs. It's a year where you feel like there's enough teams that really could make for a great playoff field. So I'm excited for the future of college football, but I also think it makes you appreciate a week like this week, knowing that next year, a, a game of this magnitude in the regular season isn't going to be quite the same as it is right now.
8: It, has Ryan Day gotten over his feud with Lou Holtz yet?
11: <laughs> I, I think so. I okay. think so. Yeah, we'll see, if, we'll see if anyone else manages to uh, get in, get under his skin and get a post-game shout-out. But I, I think they've moved on to that. Well, uh, it's interesting. You know, the
8: world outside of Columbus sees that one way, but uh, Ryan, did Ryan Day maybe need something to put a chip on his shoulder about and just kind of keep in his head uh, to, to focus on, even as silly as that was?
11: Yeah, I I think it was very much a boiling point for him to where, you know, those are things that people had been saying about Ohio State dating back to the Michigan loss two years ago. And I think that was just kind of a boiling point that put him over the edge. And I think he also used it as a rallying cry for his team. And I think it worked. And so, you know, he was asked yesterday about kind of why we've seen maybe a little bit more emotion from him on the sidelines this year. And, And his reaction was that This is a team that I think likes to be coached hard. And so I think we have seen him a little bit more this year compared to past years. Just be a little bit more fiery on the sideline. we are seeing him yelling a little bit more, a little bit more intense, which I don't think was the perception of him coming into this season.
3: Dan, how much do you think home field matters in this game or does it matter at all? I think it matters a little bit. I mean, I, I think it
11: certainly makes you feel better if you're Ohio State going into this game than you would if it was going into Happy Valley. Because, I mean, if you just look at James Franklin's record in big road games over the years, it hasn't been very good. And then you also factor into the fact that, you know, not only does Ohio State is a first-year starting quarterback, but so does Penn State. And for Drew Aller, this is going to be his first big road test so far, his numbers on the road have not been as good as they were at home. Now, granted, that's that's two games, so it's not really a big sample size to go off of there. But this is going to be the first time that Drew Aller's really had to go into a marquee road environment and play. So I think it's definitely something you like to have if you're Ohio State. It's it's not going to decide the game, but it certainly helps your Ohio State.
7: Uh, somebody on the Twitter uh, our chat room, Wet Blanket, saying that uh, Mike Yurchich, who's at Penn State against Jim Knowles, both of them were on. I think might have shared one year at Oklahoma State as coordinators, kind of an interesting defense against offense matchup.
11: Yeah, and Mike Yersuch was actually at Ohio State for a year. Uh, uh, Ryan Day's first year as coach, he was there for one year, and then he left to Texas and went back to Penn State. So, yeah, that's not an angle that I had thought about a ton. I mean, they, they went head-to-head last year, too. But, and I think the thing that's interesting about that is what Jim Knowles has done schematically this year, has been different than what he was doing a year ago. So I know, you know, that's something that, you know, some of the Penn State players were being asked this week. Are, you know, are you looking back at, you know, what Jim Knowles did in the past, or are you just look focused on what he did this year? And they said they're they're focused on what he's done this year, which has really been in, in the past, Jim Knowles was more really trying to, you know, make big plays in the backfield. And I I think this year it's become more focused on not giving up big plays because of what happened last year against Michigan and Georgia.
3: With that said, Dan, where does, you know, Drew Aller in that Nittany Lions passing game versus the Ohio State secondary rank in terms of the important matchups this weekend?
11: Well, it's certainly very important. And I mean, especially with the uncertainty right now of whether Denzel Burke is going to be able to play for Ohio State, you know, that, that adds a big variable in there because Denzel Burke has been, fantastic for ohio state this season but i think even so i think if you're ohio state you know i think you feel pretty good about your defense going into this game because you know we've seen them play very consistently you know i think the secondary as a whole has been much better than last year i think you know one thing that i'm certainly interested to see is how much does penn state try to test the secondary because you know you look at the numbers this year penn state has has very sparingly thrown the ball deep they've they, they have not really taken shots down the field and you, you've got to think Ohio State's going to come into the game you've got a young starting quarterback coming into the shoe you, you're, you're going to want to make him beat you you're going you're going you are you do not want to let them just run the ball on you. you're going to want to make Drew Aller beat you and so I'm going to be interested to see from Ohio State's perspective how much do they dare Penn State to take those shots and then how willing will Penn State be to take those shots if Ohio State gives them to him.
7: I know you uh, cover Ohio State, but the the record against Michigan and Ohio State for James Franklin is a combined 4 and 14. How critical, it's always critical, but how critical do you think it is that he gets a a chance to get either one of those teams even possibly both?
11: Yeah, I think it is because I think this is the best team James Franklin has had in several years. I think, you know, I think the past several years i think if you kind of put ohio state and penn state on paper there was a clear talent advantage for ohio state i think if you look at the lineup this year i think they're much more evenly matched and so i I think penn state is definitely capable of winning at least one of those games and i think certainly uh it it would be a big big thing for them to, to win at least one of them
3: Dan, this is slightly off topic, but we are here in the state of Texas and there's a lot of buzz down in Houston about that quarterback. Uh, CJ Stroud, their rookie who you know, uh, very well. I saw a meme the other day that was, it was a compliment to CJ, but it was kind of poking at how Ohio State with as great as the, the quarterback lineage has been doesn't necessarily pan out, you know, at the pro level. But any surprise that CJ Stroud's off to the start he's off to down with the Texans?
11: No, I mean, I mean, I would I have predicted that he would break the NFL record for most <laughs> passes without an interception. Probably not, right. but I'm I'm not surprised that he's doing well. I mean, I think you know, you think back to some of the stuff from the pre-draft about you know the f two tests and all of that, and and I I know I always thought all that was overblown because just knowing him from a couple of years at Ohio State, he's a very smart guy. You know, you know, really, you know, handled things like a professional, and you know, was great at you know reading defenses making smart decisions making plays and so i think we've really seen that translate in in houston and i mean certainly compared to what we've seen in the past from ohio state quarterback he this is by far the best start that we've ever seen from a quarterback from ohio state in the nfl
7: last thing real quickly what's the weather forecast it's not quite that time but you never know what's the weather forecast on saturday dan yeah I, i'm not somebody who looks
11: too far ahead of a weather for these games oh. because it can change so much. But I know that there there is a possibility of some rain. I think it's gonna be, you know, in the fifties and cool. So it's definitely gonna be that that fall football weather. It's hard to say right now if it's gonna be bad or if it's just gonna be okay, but certainly something the teams and fans are gonna have to deal with on Saturday.
7: Thank you for your time. Four o'clock, I know you gotta go. We appreciate your time on three sixty five sports. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Dan Hope, eleven Warriors covers Ohio State, the Buckeyes, and Nittany Lions in a game that I can't wait to get a piece of and watch. Very similar to watching Washington, Oregon last week. It's it's entertaining, my God, that would be great.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fantastic game. i have to watch it from the press box, unfortunately, uh, the majority of it. But uh, hopefully the internet connection is good, so I can can get that in because I definitely want to watch. I I want to watch live as much as possible. Oh, yeah. No, it's a... What?
7: Same time. 11-11. Eleven, yeah. eleven. Yeah, no, but the press box. What did you mean by press box? Oh yeah, because they're in Cincinnati. Sorry, Dang, I'm
3: blanking. I'm thinking that we I'm thinking of Iowa State already. So yeah. No, great. I don't have to do that. Yeah, Never mind. And I've got back. two TVs set up right now. So that's actually wow. That's uh, I was already a week ahead.
7: Yeah, and that's okay. I just wanted to kind of made me nervous that I wasn't planning. Real quick, if you sat down to watch a college football game, what would be your go-to snack, Garrett? Ooh, uh, probably wings. I love wings.
8: Any kind of wings. Just buffalo Paul. wings. Yeah, wings. You got to go to wings. Greg?
3: That sounds, I mean, about right. I was sitting there thinking like cheese dip or something, but yeah, wings are kind of satisfy. I check a yeah. lot of boxes. So yeah, that's probably the, the go t- Or pizza. Pizza is always a, a yeah. good go-to I, uh, as well. I,
8: I like to, like, if you're not having, you know... I said one. Yeah, but I like to have things that are... Uh, easily, like, you can leave them there for a little while. Yeah, no, and pizza you and wings, you can do that. Yeah, yeah
7: so... Yeah, because queso, dip, rotel, sausage, whatever, can cool down, and you have ah, to heat it up in the microwave. No, no, no. Get yourself a little crock pot. Oh, that's right. Keep, Keep it, it on low. Look, alright you're, um, you're, you're dealing with a pro here, and, buddy. And you know what? And you make a man to clean it. All right, now, when we come back, we're going to go to John Kurtz on K-State, Jesse Kurtz on Air Force, Ricky Thompson on Baylor in their game against Cincinnati, and more, and this is... 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com. Dr. Ken Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, used to be. One out of every three to four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone from energy, from lack of energy, from not sleeping well, from just not being able to focus well. And then also there is the issue, of course, that gets all the publicity when it comes to ED or your sex drive is down. It could be because of all those symptoms. Could be because of low testosterone. Maybe not, and then that's a different issue. Pettycliniclowt.com. Contact them on the website. Tell them I sent you. Email or phone number. They will then set you up to get your blood work. They will take care of getting the appointment or telling them where to go. They will take care of you getting the blood work and then get in touch with you. And if your testosterone level is too low, they can give you the option of a program to get yourself back to where you want to be, need to be, used to be. Pettycliniclowt.com.
6: In our logo and advertising, we say
5: we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do
6: and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Carr Motors, we
5: are people you can count on.
6: Shorty's Pizza
8: Shack at 12th in Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries, or tots. Plus, great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by.
7: want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful listen to what happy customers have to say
0: it's pleasant it's different than any other dentist's office I really feel like they care and it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you it's quick and easy and you know I bring my kids and my kids love being here too they really love the treasure box <laughs> staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like
7: family. Learn more at Stonewood-Dental.com. Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton.
1: This is 365 Sports powered by Sikkim365.com
2: The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house.
1: Now here's David
7: Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Earlier in the show, we visited with Chris Williams on Iowa State as they have turned the corner, at least for now. With still plenty of games left in the season. Kansas State has been, uh, well, a little bit of a yo-yo, the tough, brutal loss at the end on the 61-yard field goal to Missouri. And then Oklahoma State thumped them a couple of weeks ago, but they came back to win in Lubbock. TCU this Saturday night on ESPN2. John Kirch, KC Sports uh, Network, joins us. John, great to have you on the show as always. Uh, Your thoughts about K-State with uh, Avery Johnson and what kind of a, and I know Howard's going to play too, but what kind of a spark he's given that team?
6: Yeah. Well, hey guys, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it has really added some new juice to the, the season that was much needed because I'll be honest with you, that Oklahoma State game, I think was as poorly as K State has played since they lost, uh, 45 to nothing to Iowa State during the COVID year in 2020. And it, it just had you kind of reevaluating where not only the season was going, but like, Hey, what, what's going on with the program here? This is not supposed to be how this goes. I think uh, a week later, you feel a lot better about that with Oklahoma State, obviously on the come up. Um, I think Mike Gundy has really figured some things out. And now, not only did K-State get a win, but you're starting to feel like, hey, here's a new guy that can elevate the ceiling of this season in in Avery Johnson. And I think most people felt like that beforehand. But it was curious that the coaches decided not to play him at all against Oklahoma State, particularly with – I mean, Will Howard had a 70-yard run in that game. They were giving up some quarterback runs, so you you felt like that could have been pretty effective there. But, you know, I think the coaching staff has been careful about – trying not to throw him into the fire and put too much on his plate early on, but he is as calm as it gets. And, uh, you know, we had him on our podcast earlier this week, and he speaks like a sixth-year senior. I mean, he does not sound like a freshman at all. I think he can he can absolutely handle it. And uh, just being able to see the potential that he has, you realize that he could do a ton to help out this team, uh, obviously not only this year, but – the future of the program seems really, really bright with him at quarterback. So uh, it, it's turned a lot of heads. It's made a lot of people feel better about what this team can do. And now you look at it, they've got back-to-back pretty manageable home games here against DCU in Houston before uh, a road trip down to Austin. And if you get those couple of wins and really get rolling before you head to uh, DKR, I mean, who knows? But I think you feel like now, Hey, this team is, is still actually in basically the same position they were in last year. In fact, if they, they win those next two games, being four and one, and going to, to play Texas. That's exactly where they were last year, four and one in the Big Twelve, and playing Texas. And we know how that uh, how that worked out at the end.
8: John, um, so what do you think the future is for Will Howard? I mean, are they going to keep you know ping ponging back the quarterbacks based on the situation? He isn't. He hasn't been the same since he got banged up in the in the Mizzou game, obviously. So does this allow him to get healthier and then you see Will Howard more or is this a two-quarterback system going forward?
6: Kind of the $64,000 question right now. And I, I think it probably is to some extent a two-quarterback system um, going forward, which I know is is a little bit dangerous and probably not what anyone really wants to hear. There are a lot of factors here. I mean... I think Will has gotten a bit of a uh, a bad rap this year because of some things systematically that were going wrong around him. I think the offensive line has been pretty inconsistent um, and, and a little bit disappointing after bringing everybody back. The wide receiver core has been very disappointing, and uh, Keegan Johnson was supposed to be a real stud. He has not been able to do much yet. He's been slowed a little bit by injury. Just not getting much production on the outside to help out Will, and last year that was – a lot different when you had Malik Knowles and Cade Warner who was an underrated piece of that offense and then obviously Deuce Vaughn too you know I mean I think when he had all those weapons last year he was a guy that was fearless not afraid to push it down the field and it really worked out well whereas now this year you kind of need the Avery Johnson who can do a lot of the work himself um, and and make plays happen himself because you're just not getting as much out of the skill guys Um, so that being said Will has still not played very well and he's turned the ball over a lot and the offense just wasn't moving much um, against Texas Tech when he was in the game. So you absolutely had to go to Avery Johnson. It'll be really fascinating to see who actually starts, like who gets the first snap on Saturday. Um, because in the past, and this, this coaching staff under Chris Kleiman, I would say that they, they're probably loyal to a fault. I think last year they got away with pushing Adrian Martinez a little bit too much after it became clear in Fort Worth that Will Howard was going to be the guy that would be better suited for that offense, and it almost burned them. I mean, I think that cost them the Texas game, and they still were able to make the Big 12 championship game. So they've been erring on the side of being later than early in situations like this before. I will say, however, the word has been very clear since day one. Like, they realize how special Avery Johnson is, and they they know that he is a guy that has an unlimited ceiling and potential here. So that gives me a little more hope that, that they will roll with him to start and kind of let him take it and use Will Howard where they need uh which i guess kind of reveals my opinion on on where this probably should go but i also would tell you i think they will have to use will howard at some point this year whether it be avery johnson hits a freshman wall somewhere defenses now that they have this much more tape to scheme against him will um kind of vex him at a point in the future uh or there there is and i hate to bring it up but there is always the possibility of injury too and k-state much like Texas Tech in many places across the league has dealt with a lot of quarterback injuries uh, over the last handful of years. So I still think he'll have a role and he will play. But my preference would be for them to to let Avery uh, really try to work this out and, and tailor some of the game plan around him this week. I, I'm just not – I'm a little 50-50 on whether or not I think that that is going to be the case. We shall see on Saturday.
3: John, a little bit more on Avery Johnson. I mean, we've seen him throw it around a little bit, had the nine passes, was eight of nine, which is great for 77 yards, but obviously made his his biggest uh, strides in the the running game with the the handful of touchdowns, which was incredible. But how would you sort of profile his game? Uh, Since we haven't seen a lot of him up to this point, uh, where are his strengths in your opinion? Where's the passing game going with him at the helm? How do you see all that?
6: Yeah, I'm going to preface this by saying, don't hold me to – like, these comparisons Shh. that I'm about to throw out of the names that I'm about <laughs> to use are, are, like, obviously, like, high, high-end. Um, but I think these are just, like, the most accurately I can portray, like, what – the shape that I think the skill set takes. Um, like, I think his skill set right now is – the best com- comp that I've seen or heard is Lamar Jackson. Like, I think he's, he's okay. just an elite straight-line speed runner, and he is good at throwing the football. Like, this is not just somebody who can only – run the ball. And I was going back and looking at Lamar Jackson's stats. I mean, that dude actually threw for a lot of yards yeah. and was really productive with his arm in college when I think people just think of the running ability. Um, Avery can definitely throw the ball. I would encourage anybody that has questions about that to go look at his high school film. Now, if you go look at him making plays with his arm in high school, it's like the off-platform, like Patrick Mahomes arm angle, like that, that sort of thing that he's doing there. So, again, like I realize the names that I'm throwing out there. I'm not proclaiming him to be – Either one of those guys, but if you want to know kind of the mold that he's in, that's it. And uh, I know that he really wants to prove that he can do more with his arm at this level because he told us that <laughs> on the three month podcast earlier this week. He said like, "Hey, look, I know that the the rap on me right now is that I'm I'm just a guy who can use my legs, but he he can definitely sling it. Um, and he had a he had a great throw to Jace Brown as a freshman receiver that they got into the, in the game late in the Texas tech, tech game that was like a layered throw over a linebacker and dropped yeah, it right yeah. in. Yep. I mean, he he can do it. He can do it. This is not, you know I mean? Like K-State fans will remember like Daniel Sams um, when he was competing with Jake Waters at quarterback and Sams had some stat lines like that, like eight of nine for 77 yards. I mean, this is not, this this guy has more of an arm than than Daniel Sams. He can absolutely be a a threat. I think they just need to let him uncork it and use it because again, I will repeat one thing that I've heard and I think is very apparent. They've been very cautious with him and trying not to get him into a situation that he can't handle here early on. But I think now the situation is really going to call for it, um, and you're probably going to have to let him do that. The other thing with him that's really helped, I think, with his skill set, TreShaun Ward had by far his best game of the year on Saturday as a running back. I think because in large part defenses were sucking in on Avery so much and so concentrated on that that it, it freed up a lot of space for him too. So I think it really can just make the offense uh, function a whole lot better. If, if Avery is in there right now.
7: I'm about to tweet John Hurts per John Kurtz, excuse me, Avery Johnson compared to Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Right, just that's, to what fill up, <laughs> that's what he yeah, said. Just to, I mean, that's exactly what I heard. And Elvis, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> the Beatles, all that. Uh, <laughs> Michael Bishop. So one of the things about him, and he's wiry and he's tough, So how do they handle him physically as he gets older in putting weight on him more muscle than it is any kind of bulk?
6: Yeah, they they definitely want him bulked up more than he is right now, although I will give him a ton of credit. So he got there in spring, and I mean, like, when he got there, and again, I would say go look at his high school film and see how much skinnier he looked even last year and when he first got on campus than he is right now. Like, he's bulked up fairly significantly from where he was at. He's just a slender guy, um, naturally. So I mean there I'm sure he's pounding protein shakes, milkshakes, everything they can get into him to to try and put on some good weight. Um, it'll be a matter of time with that, but you know, with that comes an obvious concern and that is, you know, can can he take the kind of pounding that he took at Texas Tech on a week in, week out basis. I, I think they probably need to skew the run pass ratio when he's in the game by like 10 or 15% more than what it was uh, obviously more tilted toward the past than the run, because you just don't want to, you don't want to jeopardize that. You don't want to jeopardize him getting hurt. Now I also think he's so fast and elusive. He he has not taken a lot of direct shots so far. Like it's tough to get a really good shot on him, but eventually, I mean, if you run him enough, K-State's learned that lesson over and over again, you run him enough. uh, You, you will run into that issue. So it'll be an ongoing process for him. I'll be curious to see like how much potential there is for weight to put on his frame as he goes through his college career. But I I can tell you this, he's going to do anything and everything he can to get there because he's, he's a machine. I mean, he is just like designed in a lab everything you would want out of a quarterback just in terms of being incredibly humble leadership coming in and working. I mean, that was, we just heard that from the word go when he got in in spring ball that he was soaking everything up he possibly could working the long hours like everything that you would want in your your leader and quarterback that is that is definitely what Avery Johnson brings to the table
3: what have you thought about the run game and how that's played out I know that the injuries have, have also played a factor there but a lot of hope for Trayshawn Ward and Giddens as well just what have you made of, of what you've seen so far
6: yeah I, I go back to it and I don't want to harp on it too much, but I do think the offensive line has left something to be desired for a large portion of the year. Now, they played their best game on Saturday against Texas Tech, and I I say all of this, and if you go look at K-State's raw rushing statistics, they they weren't really high um, across the country, but uh, I think a lot of that's been fueled by having to go to the quarterback running game, even when Will Howard was playing earlier this year, probably more so than they really wanted to. Um, But they've been better in conference play. Obviously, the UCF game was great. DJ Giddens had uh, an incredible night. I do think that DJ Giddens hasn't looked like he's had the same burst since that game where he just took a boatload of carries had almost 300 total yards and over 200 on the ground. So I wonder if maybe just some lingering effects of, of the beating that he took in that game, but it's been okay because Treshawn Ward has had much more burst and looked a lot better in the last two games. He was one of the bright spots really at at Oklahoma state. I thought he ran pretty well. So um, they're getting pretty good production out of those two. Um, And I think they're good backs. Like I think they're definitely good backs. It's just when held up, uh, in the reflection of Deuce Vaughn from last year, that's that's obviously pretty tough to uh, to replicate. And also, I would say just holding them up against some of the backs in, in this conference. You know, I mean, Devin Neal, Ollie Gordon, like, there are some uh, – Taj Brooks, the case they just saw on Saturday. Like, there are some really excellent running backs in this conference. So, they may get overshadowed a little bit there. But, no, I think they've been fine. And as long as they continue to, to find the hot hand and ride the hot hand, um, I think they'll be okay there. And it does feel like the offensive line is rounding into form. And I should mention, I mean, they – they had some injuries that they were dealing with uh, to begin the year, particularly with Christian Duffy at, at right tackle, and that seemingly is short up now. So it would stand a reason that they're they're gonna continue to get better and better.
8: John, what do you think about Jerome Tang hanging out with Deion Sanders last week?
6: <laughs> Pretty perfect, right? I mean that seems like a like a match made in heaven. And uh, he he did tell him in the, the clip I saw he was gonna wear the shades to Big Twelve Media Day, and obviously uh, he, he followed up on that. So I love it. You know, I know it'll rub some people the wrong way, just like, uh, like beyond does in, in general, coach prime, excuse me. Um, but I think if you're looking at like what, what Jerome Tang tries to do and he made it a big point to emphasize, like the reason he sought out coach prime to go meet him was because he wanted to learn about branding and marketing and how to, how to best position case data. I think he said like, Hey, I feel like we're a national brand. We want to be a global brand. And uh, so he, he thinks uh, he's always thinking high, and he's trying to get some advice from from Coach Prime on that, and there's nobody really better in in the college sports world right now than him at, at attracting eyeballs. So it it makes a ton of sense. I love it. I think it's what K State, State basketball program is really needed, and um, I certainly will not will not fault Jerome Tang for that at all. I I love having a coach. I mean, it was I saw a picture. I was not actually able to make it to, to media day today, but I saw a picture of Jerome Tang at his breakout session with you know just a horde of media around him and there was hardly anybody else at, at any of the other stations and it just is uh still crazy to me to think like hey you've got a coach that is is that popular that much of a magnetic personality and has created this much of a brand in in such a short period of time so uh i'm all for it man that, that guy can do very little wrong in uh in my eyes right now
7: we brought up brett your mark and some of the comments he made yesterday craig did in a segment he did yesterday afternoon and including the extending kansas city as the home of the basketball tournament which makes sense i know there's always a little bit of the conspiracy theory because it's it's not fair to schools elsewhere but uh there are even some new coming uh, incoming schools that are barking a little bit about how about vegas or whatever i went on today and just basically said listen you can want vegas But unless you've been to Kansas city for that week, that tournament week, then you just at least need to experience that. And then if you still want it somewhere else, that's fine. But Kansas city, John, they do such a great job. So sell it again for those that don't know.
6: Yeah. I mean, well, I I guess, first of all, I would just say like, if I were a Utah basketball fan, I'd probably be looking for something outside of the hoops to uh, grab my attention for conference tournament week anyway. Uh, So the Vegas part makes sense, but no, I mean, Kansas city's great. Like I, I selfishly I, I live literally just a couple blocks from uh, from power and light downtown and in Kansas City right now but it's just a cultural event you know and and you can say what you will about the home court advantage for like Iowa State KUK State that is true um, but I know it was pointed out like if you look at attendance um, over the last 10 to 15 years in college basketball all those schools rank near the top two so it's not just that they are bringing fans because of proximity to Kansas City. It's because they have big, loud, passionate fan bases that care and that, and that travel to see their team. And so when you have a hub like that and the entertainment district out there at Power and Light that people can just spill over to and from after the game, I mean, it just creates such a, such a cool atmosphere. And I don't think you ever find cities that embrace it fully. I mean, it's cool to be in Barclays. It's cool to be in Vegas. Um, but it, to me, that's kind of getting away from like the, the college feel. It's almost like, you know, you hear a lot of the, the arguments these days about, like, and we saw some of this from, like, Maxwell Country, about, like, oh, these, these little dinky college towns. You know, who wants to go to Waco or Ames or whatever? And it's like, well, that's, that's really actually what the college experience is about, is going to the college towns where everything is built and engineered around the school. And that's what makes it fun and a really cool environment and atmosphere and unique uh, and all the colloquialisms everywhere. So I, I think it's just kind of a microcosm of that or an extension of that with, with why Kansas City is so great. Um, as that sort of location because it's a college sports town and has that sort of passion. And just, I mean, ask anybody that tried to, you know, I saw Dallas floated out there. It's like, you know, ask anybody that tried to go to Dallas for the Big 12 tournament when it was there, what it was like compared to Kansas City. I mean, there's, there's just no comp. So I'm very happy to see it. I know Brett Yormark is, is an East Coast guy and I'm sure there's probably a part of him that would like to get it out to Barclays or somewhere out on the East Coast, but it, it just would not, it would not be the same at all. And uh, even if you did move it to Vegas i I mean I sincerely doubt the four corner schools are going to pack a bunch of fans in there to recreate any sort of the environment that you have in, in k c so i'm I'm pro k c all day on that
7: Can, uh, John, thanks for your time. Kansas City Sports Network, John Kurtz with a bunch of great stuff was also really good during the couple of years of unknown and known when it comes to realignment and expansion. Chuck Cooperstein put up this note. I put up what I had said on Twitter. You go to Vegas. You are but one of however many postseason tournaments that are played there, let alone other entertainment options that might take you elsewhere. You go to Kansas City, you are one of one. You are special and treated as such, as far as KC hosting the men's and women's basketball I, tournament. I, I, I totally agree. But I, I do think, like, yeah, hey, you know what?
8: Bend it out, you know, one year, like throw it out, throw it out to Vegas. You know, may, maybe you use that as like Kansas City's got a. You know, redo some things at the stadium or something, and that's the excuse. But other than that, I think it, it's a, it's in a great spot.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I really have no strong feelings about the, the entire thing. I mean, I think it, it works well in Kansas City, and, you know, if that's where they want to keep it, then I think that makes sense. But, I, you know, just going back to yesterday's conversation, I mean, I don't blame schools who have not been treated to the Kansas City experience who have been to Las Vegas thinking, like, hey, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> because, you know what, guys, it would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, like, there wouldn't be the attention or whatever, but um, I don't know how you can downplay a Big 12. If it's the greatest conference on earth, right? In the biggest entertainment capital on earth, I I don't know how you can't play that up, but I also am totally fine if they don't go that direction. Um, I more or less just felt like, yeah, why would Utah fan just go like Yeah, sure, Kansas City's the best. Let's just Yeah, of course you're gonna wonder like Why not Vegas or Sure Why not Los Angeles or something like that when you have the westward expansion that you've had. So that's understandable. And you know what? They'll get to go to KC and watch the Utes and um, the Cougars and um, Who am I missing? Eventually, the Sun Devils and the Wildcats and you know and all those people will get that experience here in the next couple of years. And you know maybe they they turn their their uh, opinions. Uh, on its head, and and they, too, fall in love with the KC basketball tourney experience.
7: Can we go straight to Jesse? Would you mind? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Jesse Kirch covers uh, Air Force. They're playing Navy in Annapolis. They're unbeaten. They're in the top 25. Their quarterback is injured. Uh, He'll join us. He's the color analyst for Air Force Radio. This is 365 Sports. Richard Carr,
3: Buick GMC Cadillac. They are the people that you can count on for great customer service. Great deals on new and pre-owned vehicles as well. And as I've told you a bunch of times over the years, uh, I've uh, gone and counted on the people over at Richard Carr on multiple occasions when it came to body work after a car accident on a couple of different uh, a couple of different times, actually, I've taken it over there. And I know um, that if I have any issue whatsoever, I can take my car over to the good people at Richard Carr, and they will... Um, not only get the job done in expedient fashion, but uh, I will have nothing to worry about after the fact, and they'll give me a great deal as well. But right now they've got great deals uh, on new and pre-owned vehicles. You can save $7,000 on a new 2023 GMC Sierra. Qualified buyers can finance for 0.9% financing. They've got dozens of Sierras on the lot. They've got inventory, pricing, financing, all lined up to get you into a new Sierra today, plus military and first responders can save an additional $500. They've also got Buick, a perfect combination of first-class luxury and value like no other SUV, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Buick offers amazing value, and right now you can save $5,000 on a new full-size 2023 Buick Enclave or save 4000 on a 2023 mid Buick Envision. And again, military and first responders save an additional $500. They also trade for the best, so you... You can uh, go check out their lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks that are in stock, and their financing goal, as always, is 100% credit approval as they say yes when others say no. So check out that award-winning service department. Check out their deals on new and pre-owned vehicles. Right now, with the business that's been in business for 24 years in Central Texas, building a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs, Richard Carr. Log on to RichardCarr.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit.
1: Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle. We move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni.
7: Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand spring testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire, and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com.
0: There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marcos Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marcos.com to order and stop by Marcos Pizza in Belmede, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marcos, pizza lovers get it let
7: From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Danning with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support
4: each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC,
1: equal housing lender.
2: This is 365
1: Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuel's Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. Come by, let's be friends.
7: One of the nice stories in college football, and of course, there are many of them. And one of the games that closed out the season, if we covered last year, that has continued that spiral of Baylor football was getting thump badly in the uh, bowl game up in Fort Worth by Air Force, the Cap- the Falcons, and Jesse Kirch, color analyst for uh, Air Force football and radio, joins us on 365 Sports. Could you see then, did you kind of know then, they look good, and I know the weather was awful. Baylor, I don't know. Man, they were bad then too. But uh, could you see then the carryover, Jesse, of what we've seen so far this year uh, uh, with the team? In
12: some way, yeah, thanks for having me on, by the way. Yep. In some ways, yes, and some – Coming the the season, guys, I thought that this, from a starter standpoint, if you put the 22 starters and you put them up on a board and you said, okay, what sort of talent do we have here? I thought this was probably Troy Calhoun's most talented team. Now, the problem and the big question coming in was starter number one and two being of the importance one and two. The fullback, Brad Roberts, so you guys got a steady you dose know, of that, uh, down in Fort Worth last year. He graduated. He's an all-timer at Air Force. If not for the COVID season, he would probably be Air Force's all-time leading rusher, which is really saying something. Um, he graduated. He's no longer at the academy. And then the quarterback, you lose a three-year starter uh, that was so incredibly good with the decision-making, he also gone. So you had two very big pieces of the puzzle that you had to replace. And the two that have filled those roles have been very, very good. So if you fill those roles at an above-average level, I thought this, this team had a chance to be very, very good with the experience they got last year, culminating in the, the win over Baylor in the bowl game. So here we are sitting 6-0, uh, ranked 22 in the country, and uh, still riding high and loving it.
8: What has been their their key in these, these close games, uh, or, I mean, especially with Wyoming of late, to be able to um, just close it out like they are?
12: Well, it, it starts with the defense. Um, and let, let me say this. It's way to talk about the defense, but the offense. This defense over the last two years has been statistically one of the best in the country. Last year finished the season, went number one in total defense and right now ranked number three in total defense here in, in, uh, 2023. The big reason, in my opinion, the defense has been so good and locking teams down late is because they have fresh legs. If the offense doesn't control the ball the way that they have in the last couple of years, number one in time of possession and just grinding out 15, 16, 17, 18 play drive, um, the defense doesn't have fresh legs. They're not able to get the tweaks that they need from upstairs and then go out there and perform at a high level. When they're asked to play minimum level of snaps and you say, give me everything we got because I know you're not going to have to be out there for – 10-11 10-11 play drive, we'll try to make a three and out or or six and out or whatever the case may be. That complimentary football and the fresh legs on the defense, um, especially late in games, uh, that's a big reason this team has, has been able to close out those games, has been able to hold off high-powered teams like a Baylor, has been able to rattle off six wins to, uh, to start the season. It's just it's this perfect mathematical equation for the Air Force Academy. Go out there on offense, grind them down, keep that defense on their heels, and let your defense rest and be fresh.
3: Jesse, the commanders and chief trophy is is one of the you know coolest things in, in this sport that we love called college football. Obviously, a, a big game this weekend that would be big no matter the circumstances. Can you kind of just describe Air Force, Navy in general, but also how much extra sizzle does it have because of what the Falcons have going on right now?
12: Well, it's got a lot of sizzle um, with – with where the Air Force Falcons are right now. And Navy's been a tough place for Air Force to go and win. Uh, there have been many times in the last decade where Air Force has had the better team, go to Navy, and then some silly, crazy things happen. I look at 2019, Malcolm Perry had this unbelievable run to uh, to storm the Mids back and beat Air Force. But Air Force went on to win 10 games that season, went on and, and beat Washington State in the, uh, in the Jesus Bowl. Uh, weird things happen in these games, and they are complete grind fast. And you know that I don't like cliches, um, but the one cliche that really plays in this is throw the w- records out the window. And the reason is these two teams know each other inside and out. They run similar style offenses, obviously. They run sim- similar styles of defense, and the kids that are recruited to either academy were recruited by all the academies. They fit that high academic, maybe a little bit undersized, um, willing to do what they need to do to play at the Division I level because most of these kids weren't getting Baylor offers. They're getting Ivy League offers, FCS offers. So they know each other inside and out. And the opposing coaches know the players inside and out because they've seen them since high school. So there's no surprises in this game. And and these games, for the most part, guys – are close because of that thirteen ten the last couple of years, even though airports has had a much better team, Navy has been able to keep these games close. As far as the, the fanfare, the pageantry, um, you know, Washington brass is there. Uh, we've had presidents there, obviously secretary of the air force, secretary of the Navy's are there. Admirals are there. I mean, it's, it is a, a showcase of America uh, at the academies when they play these games. And then you think about, what this means later on in your career as a football player if you beat baylor that's a feather in the cap but no one's going to ask you did you beat baylor when you played at the air force academy they ask you two questions did you beat air force and did you beat or did you beat navy did you beat army or if you're at the others did you beat air force those sorts of things when you start serving with your brothers in arms long after your football career is over that's what they want to know. So that's the type of pressure that these kids will be dealing with on Saturday.
8: Well, taking the new clock rules into effect uh, as well, and not that that really affected these teams at all, um, when they changed those, is there a chance that you're done with your postgame show by
12: 1.30? Boy, I would love it. I'd love to get home for dinner. My wife <laughs> might not want me home for dinner. She like how likes life it when I take these weekend trips. But, yeah, if this game goes three hours, something went wrong um, because our game typically – get over at the three-hour mark or maybe 255, there's a really good chance that this game is two hours and 45 minutes. And you know what? Good thing I don't get paid by the minute because uh, my game check doesn't doesn't change. But uh, it makes for a fun and exciting game. It's quick. It's fast-moving. Um, and, you know, the emotions are certainly going to ride high for, for three hours. Does it feel kind of like, I don't know if
8: you know, but like when you watch a playoff baseball game where every pitch counts, when you know that, the, especially in the fourth quarter, the play clock is you know going to get grounded dust those last couple minutes, is
12: the tension just naturally there? Oh, 100%. And if these games are close, it is super, super intense. And I mentioned that 2019 game where Air Force lost in the last minute um, at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. I saw something that I had never seen in any of these games. The, the, uh, the midshipmen, the, uh, all the, the midshipmen, the classmates that were in attendance in uniform, they spilled out onto the field. Normally they wait in the stands and the, the players go over and they stand in front of their classmates and they play the, uh, the alma mater for both teams. They all spilled out onto the field because it was such high energy, such high stakes right at the end. The emotion just totally spilled over. So, Absolutely. Uh, When these games are tied, because of what it means to those players and what it means to those who are currently serving, uh, you won't find a more intense atmosphere than a close fourth quarter service academy football game.
7: So my father retired Air Force, but he went to the academy Annapolis, uh, the United States Naval Academy. If you look at those three campuses and how pristine they are, and of course, Army, Navy, very close compared to where Colorado Springs is, but... Each of them, Jesse, am I right? They're all in their own way beautiful and yet
12: unique? Oh, you know what? I couldn't have said it any more beautifully than you did right there. Because, yes, I've now been to each one of these, uh, you know, six times to Annapolis, six times to West Point, and then obviously I spend so much time at the Air Force Academy. Each one is very unique. West Point has that gritty um, kind of gray feeling, old, um, you know, stone uh, buildings, and you just kind of get – that you're you're sent back in time, which is you know really really cool. You go to Navy; it's a little more cutting edge. It's sitting on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you kind of feel it's kind of a a, uh, a yacht sort of um, community where there's some big houses with docks. Like, this is a really cool place. And then you come to the Air Force Academy, nestled right up against the Rampart Range in the Rocky Mountains, that sits at seventy, you know, seven thousand feet, and the buildings are very cutting edge very modern very sleek um and you have the the cadet chapel that kind of is the uh, the pinpoint the the monument that everybody looked at that that uh, the spires go high into the sky um each one has a very very cool setting i could i, I which one is better because all three are equally uh as, as beautiful and cool but each one unique in their own right as you identified
7: Jesse, enjoy uh, the quarterback position. Is everything good there? Are they going to go with a backup this week? Is that, is that something where he's okay?
12: Yeah, it looks like going to go with the, uh, the backup quarterback, which obviously puts a complete wrinkle into this the system. Zach Larrier, who has been so good as a senior, um, filling in at the, uh, the quarterback position for the Falcons, got uh, banged up last week in the win over Wyoming, uh, a knee injury coach Calhoun earlier in his press conference this week said they're going to be without him for a for a little while not sure how serious it is I do know it's got to be somewhat serious If a senior who's never played in a a service academy game has a chance to lead a victory and he can't go um so hoping that Zach Larry will be back at the end of the season because he has been the team MVP without question in my mind so Hoping for the best, but it looks like it'll probably be Jensen Jones, um, the backup quarterback, yet to uh, complete rear. But he's a tough, physical runner. Kind of plays the quarterback position like a fullback. So he has some things that Zach Liff did not that will complement the offense. But you can't substitute a guy that doesn't have any experience for a guy that did have experience and thinks that you're going to be in a better place, at least initially. But I think the guys have the utmost confidence in Jensen Jones that he will do everything in his power and will be successful to get the Falcons over the hump and get a win in Annapolis.
7: Jesse, thank you. Enjoy Annapolis. Uh, obviously just an incredible tradition, Army, Air Force, Navy, and the Commander's Trophy as Craig brought up. And uh, Man, what a, a great start to the season for Air Force at 6-0, and ranked in the top 25. When we come back, Ricky Thompson, Baylor, Sideline reporter, his thoughts about Cincinnati, what he's learned, the game itself, how important it is, every one of them, the rest of the way for Dave Aranda and Baylor. And then Tim Brando at five, and this is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, Ted Teague, the general manager, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco, and of course loaded up with Ram trucks, loaded up with what they have when it comes to Jeeps as well. For example... Right now, uh, Jeep Adventure Days going on during the month of October. You can get 10% off MSRP, all trim levels on the new Jeep Compasses, all new Jeep Gladiators, all new Jeep Renegades, and also the all new uh, Grand Cherokees, except for the Laredos. 10% off MSRP, a great selection of those Jeeps available during Jeep Adventure Days. Also, Ram power days right now in the month of October at Allen Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, the 2023 Ram 1500 crew cab Lone Star, 0% for 72 months. If that's not enough for you, how about the 2023 Dodge Challenger, Charger, the SXT, the GT, the RT models with total values up to $3,000. Great selection of Ram trucks, jeep vehicles and also what you have with dodge ted teague the general manager loop 340 east of 84 in waco
4: i
3: Texas.com, member FDIC and
2: Equal
7: Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less, sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing, if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know you can schedule an appointment safely for home online in minutes at idealmri.com or give us a call 833 idealmri. idealmri idealmri.com
5: it was broad daylight i stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack and just like that my car was broken into they made out like a bandit my laptop my phone everything i called my agent to see what could be done and he restored my faith in humanity my claim was processed so quickly and i was able to recover my losses Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary
12: by situation.
7: Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254 598 8131 or 254 776 1543.
1: segment with former Baylor wide receiver and Baylor sideline analyst Ricky Thompson is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco, on Bosky Boulevard, and on Archway Drive off Highway 84, and at AllianceBankTexas.com.
7: Ricky Thompson joins us on 365 Sports, Greg Smoke, Paul Catalina. And David Smoke coming right out of a, a, a bankers, what, a board meeting? Is that right, Ricky? Yeah, something like that. We,
9: we had a good meeting, good. but it's done.
7: Good. Thanks for, you for uh, your time today. Uh, your thoughts. Do you expect anything different from what we see Baylor on offense this weekend against Cincinnati? Dave Aranda did not make any changes with the staff. There was thoughts maybe, probably not but do you think you'll see anything different?
9: Uh, you know what? I kind of think so, and I, I don't base that on anything. I know, particularly, I just think that with two weeks off, I think I mentioned it last week, sometimes I think some folks think that a open date after a loss is not a good thing. I disagree with that. I think it gives you some time to regroup, particularly where we were as a football team. I think this was a time where I'm guessing – these guys have spent two weeks both on the defensive side of the football and offensive side of the football with Pallage and Coach Grimes and Coach Aranda, and I expect they've made some adjustments, and I I would not be surprised to see some things maybe look a little differently offensively.
8: Ricky, what would you say they need to lean into that they do the best on offense?
9: Well, I, I think you need to take advantage of Blake and and let him make plays give him time to make plays uh I like him in the shotgun I think that just gives you time to look downfield versus dropping back or waggling out of the backfield with a defender in your face so give him a chance to throw it uh you know I I think maybe the tight ends have been uh Dabney I thought was one of our best receivers early and particularly last year before he got hurt and I would kind of think that maybe something in the middle of the field going to Dabney in a throwing game. Uh, I think uh, Cincinnati's pretty good up front, so I'm not going to be surprised that maybe they don't throw it a little early to establish the run, but we know they're going to try to run it. And for this team to be successful, they have to run. But uh, the key to this offense is Blake Shapin and, the guys around him have to perform, and he's got to get the ball to them and let those guys make plays, both running back and at the receiver position, and the old line has got to step up. I think uh, that's no secret. Uh, these coaches have been around a long time. They know they need better play up there and uh, maybe some changes up front. Who knows?
3: Ricky, sticking with the passing game, I, I I don't know if this is as amazing of a stat to to others as it was to me the other night and seeing it, but uh, they have five passing touchdowns through six games. Of course, Blake missed time and the offense hasn't been good, but Monterey Baldwin has two of those, and Drake Dabney has the other three. Monterey Baldwin's the only pure receiver with it with a catch in the end zone this season. Is that shocking to you? And are are, are you surprised by that? Given what you've seen up to this point.
9: Well, yeah. Sure, that, that's surprising. I think it su- probably surprises that coaching staff, too. Uh, they're not dummies. I think they know that uh, that they uh, need to do better out there than that. I'm sure they expect it to be better out there than that. And uh, that's part of the key, as I mentioned, not only getting the ball to Dabney, who you mentioned just then has three of the five receiving touchdowns, that uh, these outside guys need to get involved. And I just think – Sometimes it takes one play, just one play by a guy to turn his game around. A Keytron, he just, he's got to go up and get one ball sometime and that might set him off. Pal Presley, we've seen make some plays. Uh, Amari Winfield, uh, there's just, there's guys out there. I just think they have to have the opportunity to make a play and get that ball to them on the outside. Now that sounds simple. I understand coming from me, <laughs> but, uh, I think they can do that. And wouldn't be surprised if there's not an attempt to do that early and then get these running backs involved. Hopefully through this two weeks we've gotten healthy in the backfield and everybody's ready to go full speed.
7: Ricky, you're there on the sideline. I know you have headsets on because you're going back and forth uh, with uh, J.J. and John and, and everything else that's going on. Have you seen any type of barking among players or any infighting whatsoever?
9: Nope, I haven't. I might be oblivious to it, but I think probably not, and I haven't that. And uh, but sometimes, Smoky, that's not all bad, right? (laughs) If these guys guys get fired up and chirp at each other, I know I can't say that I never did it (laughs) when I was playing (laughs) playing because because I did, Uh, even at my roommate Theismann for not throwing me the dang ball. But uh, I I haven't seen that. I really don't think that I know of, that there's any of that out there. Uh, I think these kids just want to win. And again, if somebody gets upset on the sideline and chunks a cup of water, I don't really have a problem with it. Good for them. I'm, I'm glad they're upset. I'm glad they're ready to go. I'm glad they're ready to play. And I'm glad they're not happy that it's not going well. But I've not seen any... Confrontation-wise, if that's what you're talking about, no, I have not.
7: Well, and the reason I bring that up is because I was I was really uh, impressed with Monterey Baldwin's post-game comments about some are just there for the ride, and 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 what he said for a guy that also was not producing much early in the year, and there were reasons for that. Uh, that 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 as a former player, weren't his comments like what a leadership role is like or about?
9: I think so, and obviously none of us know particularly who or what Monterey was talking about. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, and it does show some leadership, and and again, it shows he's upset about a team that's two and four. I don't think any of these guys expected that. That's not what they signed up for, but... Uh, that's a good start in a way to fix it because I will bet you Coach Aranda addressed that <laughs> in these last two weeks when he heard that comment one way or the other. So uh, I, I just think that's fine. And there's just nothing wrong with these kids getting upset. Uh, I, they should be, and I, I like that. There's nothing wrong with the coaches getting upset and getting ticked off about what's going on. I, I remember Joe Gibbs used to, to tell us, Said you guys need to get ticked off. <laughs> that's about as bad as a word as he ever said. But uh, he, he he was just good about that any minute. He you know get mad about something. Get get angry. Play hard. Just go do something. Make a big play. And that's that's what he meant by go get ticked off. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and and good for Monterey, and and hopefully that permeates throughout this team.
8: If I was an official and Joe Gibbs told me, gosh darn it, that was a terrible call. I would like that less than someone swearing at me.
9: Most likely. It would crawl in my head. Believe believe me, I've heard it both ways. (laughs) 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 I've I've heard it both both ways. We had, uh, Stick'Em was outlawed after the first two or three years I played, and the trick was to put it on the inside of your pants and tuck it in there, and I got Tackled on a play, and I couldn't get rid of the ball quick enough, and I'm walking away, and I heard my name. It was the official, and he said, I don't know where it is, but lose it.
10: <laughs>
7: <laughs> I love that. I love that.
9: Ricky,
3: uh, first-time-ever matchup between these two programs and, and a conference game, obviously, but uh, any experience up there in the, in the Queen City of Cincinnati uh, during your career or any insight on, on Nippert Stadium, what you expect to walk into on Saturday?
9: Well, i tell you a funny story. Uh, we had a – remember the show Superstars? It was on many years ago. Probably some of you don't, Craig, I'm sure. But <laughs> those of us that are old enough, we do. And that that was a, uh, a competition between players. We we had an NFL version of that in Cincinnati, and I got to go with a couple other guys on behalf of the Redskins, and we had a flag football game in that stadium. Oh, wow. Uh that year. And I think it was, Oh, this was probably 1980, something like that. And I'm quite sure it's changed pretty dramatically in 40 plus years, but kind of an unusual stadium, Uh, some tall buildings, right, pushed right up next to the stadium. It's kind of a cool look, but uh, not a huge stadium, but, but kind of neat. And I don't know, guys, I enjoy going into these new places and seeing new stadiums and with these new teams in the league. And, and, again, I think I mentioned it before Before the Bears went to UCF, that might be something good for them to get on the road and get away from home and have that time and uh, just have each other depend on. And as it turned out, uh, we saw a 26-zip fourth quarter and winning a football game. So uh, playing on the road doesn't scare me, and I'm quite sure it doesn't scare these coaches or players either.
7: All right, a flipping question to end it. Thanks for your time. You mentioned Joe Feisman, Did he ever steal your hairspray?
9: You know what? No, Thisman didn't steal my hairspray because he had plenty of his own.
10: <laughs>
9: I love it. I
10: love it.
7: Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you so uh, much, yes, buddy. Sir. Ricky Thompson, Baylor sideline reporter for Baylor Radio, former Baylor and Washington Redskins at the time, wide receiver on a Joe Thisman nugget uh, to end uh, the segment. I'm going to ask you if you're an official, do you share my opinion? If somebody comes to you and
8: just curses you out, that was a terrible call. To me, that's more normal than if Joe Gibbs came up and said, "Well, golly gee, yeah. I don't, I don't approve of your decision making, and I think that you need to reconsider what you said." Yeah, I
7: would stand there on the side sideline going, "Damn it!" I. It's like Tony was Gwen. harsh, it's like Tony <laughs> Gwynn taking a taking a a pitch. It's got to be a ball, right? or Something yeah, like that. Exactly. When we come back, Tim Brando. What a week he had last week, including that Houston, West Virginia ending with Ian Spencer Tillman and company. His thoughts, college football, true serum. Next, Tim Brando, Fox Sports on 365 Sports. Everybody probably at some point has to battle the weight issue. You get a little lazy, you start to eat too much, and you're not working out. Your metabolism is not good. And so you look for a way, the easy way to be able to continue to be undisciplined with your diet or what you do with exercise and there are options there is one way that works every time because it's methodically taking care of working out losing weight along with inches and that feeling of when you put a pair of pants on and all of a sudden they're a little more loose that is that's a great feeling you just feel better walk through the front door at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness Ask for help, the personal trainers from Christy London to Randall Corley to Nathan Roach. And then on top of that, they have all the equipment you could imagine from weights to machines, classes galore every single day. But you have to walk through the front door. They will help you once you do the best way, the most methodical way, and the best way to not just lose inches and in weight, but also sustain the success of all the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco.
8: One-size-fits-all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. When it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
7: An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com.
4: Cars priced right both day and night Average
1: your car in Texas Trucks will feel
5: red, white, and blue Average your car in Texas Cars that zoom with lots of room
4: Average your car in Texas Count on us, a dealer to trust Average your car in Waco, Texas
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
2: The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing.
1: Now here's David
7: Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. What a week Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman, and that crew had last week, including the Hail Mary. That was a dart from Donovan Smith for the touchdown. And they have Houston and Texas on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Tim Brando joins us with Craig and Paul. I'm David Smoke, 365 Sports. How many Hail Marys have you done?
10: Oh, well, I've had a few. Uh, but I would say no more than a few. Probably a handful. uh. uh a couple at halftime. I think uh, one other. I had a, a Arkansas-LSU game where uh, Mettenberger was quarterbacking back in 13, 2013. As it turned out, Smoke, this was going to be the <laughs> – I didn't know it. This was going to be the last game that I would call for CBS in college football. I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> but uh, it was. I. Uh, it was the weekend of the Alabama – um, uh, LSU is playing Arkansas And Alabama's playing Auburn So it's the last weekend of the regular season And it's the game for the boot And uh, Mettenberger, the transfer from Georgia Who's played in the NFL some I think he was with the, the, the uh, Titans at one point um, He got hurt, left the game And a freshman named Anthony Jennings uh, Came in the game They got the ball at the one yard line Poor Brett Bielema could not buy a win against LSU, and I think it helped in uh, uh, his career in, in Fayetteville. But uh, Jennings took his team from the one-yard line all the way into the end zone, and he threw a bomb. Um, I guess technically, you'd say there there was time remaining when they scored, but they weren't supposed to score. Uh, Doral was the, uh, the the recipient of the touchdown pass for LSU, very, very late, only seconds left. I think they may have kicked the ball off, but that was the most recent one up until the uh, the one that we had um, back on, on Thursday night. That was incredible, and certainly uh, we didn't have the buildup to it with the kind of emotion. Yeah, that was a, uh, a trophy game for LSU and Arkansas, but this one was,
2: in a lot of ways, Dana
10: Holgerson had to have that game. If you look at his schedule moving forward uh, – and he probably had to have that game to hold on to his job and, and to be trying to get a, uh, his first conference win against West Virginia, the team he left to go to Houston. Um, I mean, that, there's a lot of raw emotion with that. I mean, big-time emotion. Players knew it. Uh, he certainly knew it. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen a situation in any game I've ever called where one team scores on a 50-yard play unexpectedly – they're, they're trying to get in, in field goal range, and they get a 50-yard touchdown with 12 seconds left. And then because of a celebration penalty, they give up. They yield about 20, 25 yards. Without that penalty. They don't get the ball in position to run a play, get the ball to midfield, and then have a chance to heave it to the end zone. So a lot of things had to happen there and did, you know, for Houston to win that game. And who knows what that might mean for them emotionally moving forward. I, I suspect that they're going to be uh, in a great mood and very welcoming of those stands when they get into TDECU Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Tim, by the way,
8: Smokey, when you ask somebody uh, how many Hail Marys they've done for a kid that uh, grew up in Catholic school. It's a different connotation. I thought that you would have, like. Did Tim
10: do something wrong? And yeah. that's what he had to yeah. do. Like yeah. fifty of them before I, 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 he could go I, back I, to recess. I'm sure in my days as an altar boy, I did a lot of Hail Marys, <laughs> <Yeah>.
8: yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, usually it was, oh, well, I mean, yeah. he said a bad word, and now he's got to do that <laughs> until he can go back to recess. Uh, uh, Tim, uh, Texas A&M, uh, you know, again, a really poor offensive showing against, a, a you know, kind of a... Yeah, you know, the fine, I guess, Tennessee team. They're winning games. They're not what they were last year, but uh, it, they had opportunities to win that game, just like Alabama. And now the buzz around Jimbo Fisher is, well, it's year six. You've kind of seen what this is going to be. But A&M has painted themselves into a financial corner
10: here, and Jimbo's recruited really well. What, what do they do? Well, I mean – that they, they were paying a lot of money for some results, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there they were thirteen and eleven uh, in their last what uh, handful of years uh, since since t- the twenty season. So from twenty one forward, they were thirteen and eleven. They haven't won a, a division title yet. You know, haven't gotten to Atlanta. Uh, You know, I'm hearing that the, the, you know, 76 million, man, let's just put it together and get him the hell out. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I don't know that that's – maybe that's A&M booster bravado talking more than anything else. Uh, He was – you know, one of the things about Jimbo, he didn't just fall off a turnip truck. Mm -hmm. He's been an outstanding coach. Now, people say, well – Yeah, but he rode Jameis Winston to his only title. Look, he helped Nick Saban get LSU where it got. I don't think Nick could have gotten LSU to the 03 championship or even the 01 SEC championship without Jimbo as his offensive coordinator. But the mistake here, I guess to some extent for Jimbo, was uh, stepping back and allowing Petrino to be his play caller because one of the reasons you pay him that kind of money is because he can recruit and he still can recruit, no doubt about that. I mean, that's the one thing that you can say of the three major areas, priorities, that you have in mind when you hire Jimbo Fisher. Uh, recruiting and play calling are two of the three on the list. And the other, the third, you know, part of it would be experience. You know, is one of only five active coaches uh, that has a national championship. Well, now the, you know, the... the 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 new smell of that last title is kind of warm and thin, and now he's given up the play calling. So you know you can't put that into the mix with the nine point five mil per. So I think in a lot of ways uh, Jimbo's kind of lost some of his luster in terms of being worthy of that kind of revenue. Uh, but but I think that if a if if a And M's money is smart money, I think it stays with him. But I don't think it's smart money. I don't think that kind of money is ever really smart. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I think they're going to come up with a huge buyout, get him out of there, and start all over again. That's my opinion. I don't think it's necessarily what I would advise them to do because like I, th- I, I believe Jimbo is, is still a good coach. He's just in a pickle right now in a really bad spot because he's failed to produce. And what is the toughest division of college football? And it's still a very tough division. None of those teams are what they were. LSU's not. Ole Miss is not. Alabama's not. But neither is A&M. Okay, it's still a tough job. Very tough job. And it's only going to get more difficult with Texas and Arkansas. You know, when you think about Texas now with Arkansas, but adding Texas and Oklahoma into that mix, and you don't expect Arkansas. Arkansas is probably one of the greatest losing his teams I've ever seen. That's not a bad club. You know, they almost beat Alabama in the fourth quarter. They don't have a turf monster that eats up a running back on a, on a third down play um, that could have scored a touchdown on that play. They might have done to, to Alabama what Stanford did to Colorado last week. Uh, so it's still a very difficult job. It really is.
3: Yeah, and how about wait a year, let him play Texas, and then if he loses, you've really got reason to let him go. And if he wins, <laughs> then you might love him again, right? I mean, that, that yeah, guy's yeah. got to be – such a swing game there Um, it really is yeah it really is so Tim you know as you as you're well aware being in broadcasting there's a lot of hype for these games and it's hit or miss on whether they live up to them or not but last weekend Oregon and Washington certainly seemed to live up to the hype and then some just your thoughts on you know a game where you lost you know if you're Oregon but I also don't feel like you probably feel like you're that far off from being on the other side of things obviously so what did you make of the Ducks and Huskies
10: well, you know, how many people did you hear saying uh, prior to last week's game when, when we were propping up Washington, ranking them fairly high? I think I put them around five or four uh, last week in my top ten, somewhere in there. Well, they haven't played anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so you, you say that about Washington, but you wouldn't say it about Michigan, and you wouldn't say it about Georgia. Why? Because they've got brand names that Washington doesn't have. I would submit that in the last 15 years, the two biggest names, brand names in the Pac-12, in terms of productivity, are Oregon and Washington. In that order, okay? So, what did they do when they finally played a team that was really up to uh, competing with them? They they won, and it was hard. Beating Oregon was not easy. Uh, so, Oregon gained some some street cred from that defeat. Now, the issue for me with Oregon. Is as good as they are. I don't know that they're the best in the state. I've just seen Oregon State two of the last three weeks, they look awfully good. I mean, that's a UCLA team that's playing better defense than anybody else in the Pac 12. They're playing better defense than Utah statistically, and that's a hard thing to do. So, um, Oregon State is they're, they're a dynamite team, and they're going to close with guess who? They're going to close with Washington and Oregon, and that'll be their season. That's how they finish their year. Uh, The Pac-12 could cannibalize itself again. I mean, it could. Potential for it is there. But, oh, boy, if it does wind up being a Pac-12 rematch between Washington and Oregon, uh, all the other leagues better come to grips with the fact that the Pac-12 is going to get at least one in uh, to this field before. And probably the only team, the only league right now that has a chance of
7: of getting two would be, in my opinion, the Pac-12. Yeah, it will be. So. Inter- it'd be interesting, Tim, as well, because the SEC when they've been eating themselves alive, when they had we were top heavy, when they were top yeah. heavy, yeah. but they could do that. Do you think that those in the college football playoff committee will understand that it also could happen in another conference?
10: They should. I mean, they absolutely should. Uh, I was just talking to some friends of mine. Uh, I was on a show in uh, East Lansing just a short time ago, and uh, the question about the Big Ten's prowess this year came up, and I said, well, you know, I think that you've got a lot of teams in transition with coaching changes. I thought Wisconsin under Luke Fickle would be uh, improved enough by now to be able to handle Iowa at home. They couldn't. Uh, the fact that Iowa has uh, struggles to score you know, 17 points in a game and yet might be the fourth-best team in the league doesn't help the credibility of the Big Ten right now. I mean, it really is Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. No one in the West has any credibility because Iowa is so bad offensively that you know when you get them out of that division, they're not going to fare particularly well. I think in the SEC, you've got uh, Alabama underperforming, uh, LSU a historically bad defense, with probably the best offense in the conference, and maybe the best offense in the country, that everyone's sleeping on them now since they lost to Ole Miss and got a second loss. You know they're going to play Alabama in two plus weeks, <laughs> and I'm not sure Alabama's going to beat Tennessee this week. Okay, uh, Joe Milton, he's got great shakes, but he doesn't get sacked as much as Jalen Milro does. Did you know Alabama has yielded 34 sacks this year? That's most in the country. Okay? That's an no. Alabama offensive line. All right. So, um Alabama's fortunate to have one loss. I think Tennessee could beat them.
2: I think LSU could beat them.
10: So, what are you going to do if 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 it's Georgia and, and LSU again? LSU's not going anywhere. They're not a threat for the uh for the the, the top 4 spots. Not this year. I don't I don't see it. I really don't. So, you know, the Pac-12, either Oklahoma or Texas, you know, and a winner-take-all if, if it works out that way in the, in the Big 12, I'm not sure that's going to happen, okay? If Texas has ever been set up to lose a game, it's this game this week, okay? <laughs> if there's, there's ever been a chance that Texas could stub their toes, this is it, Okay. They looked down their noses at Houston. The Lost Dodds decried we'll never set foot on the Houston campus again ever to play a game. And Brett, Yormark, the commissioner gave him a lovely parting gift by saying, guess what? You're going to go play four games on the road in the state of Texas, and we're going to start you off in mid-October at Houston, the place where the Lost Dodds said under no circumstances, over his dead body, would they ever play a game at Houston. Uh, So, you know, it's it's not as if Texas will run the table, but Oklahoma needs them to. You know, Oklahoma absolutely needs them to for them to have the kind of credibility that they want to assure themselves a a chance to be in the CFP. Uh, But there's all kinds of possibilities out there. And right now, more of them look good in the Pac-12. And most of that league, as you know, is going to the Big Ten and the Big 12 next year. Uh, And it's also looking good in the Big Ten because they're top-heavy and everybody else is not good. You know, Once you get past those three teams, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, uh, there are a lot of layups in that league this year. So the, the level of balance that we have in college football now is tremendous. And if you want to call some of it mediocrity, okay, yeah, there's some places where we thought the football would be better. We thought it would be better at Baylor. We thought it would be better at Kansas State. It hasn't been. We thought TCU wouldn't fall off the rails the way they did, but they did. Uh, it's just one of those crazy years. We're setting ourselves up for a 2007 potential. Uh, uh-huh. when, when, when Les Miles won it with two L's and moved from number seven to number two in the polls after uh, Shady McCoy had a great game against West Virginia and poor Rich Rodriguez was run out of on a rail uh, after West Virginia went down with that light and all those guys back in 07. It's, we're setting ourselves up, I think, for
8: that. Tim, if Brian Ference was the offensive coordinator in a, in the Big Ten and the rules were not changing the, the rules or the teams weren't changing, if it was still going to be the East and West and these were the teams, right. would he be under as much fire because they are winning games, but now you can't just go, well, we only have to play Penn State and then all the teams in the West. Now you're yeah. going to have to play a Penn State and Oregon and USC and whoever.
10: Yeah, yeah. They won't feel it until next year because because uh, there's no inflection point for Iowa now, other than a gaudy record and pitiful offensive statistics. Okay, just win, baby. All they've ever they they they're always great in special teams. They're always great in takeaways, and their defense scores points for them.
2: And that's all they've ever had to be
10: to get to corner the market on winning the West and having a few opportunities, okay, of going to the Big Ten title, shocking the world, and winning their way into the college football playoff. Uh, just as Michigan State did once, uh, and, and much of the year out of Penn State, the year they won the the Rose Bowl and, and, and uh, took the Big Ten title, they didn't get in. Uh, a, we know what happened that year. Ohio State got in. And they won it all. Okay. So uh, it won't work at Iowa and everything's going to change the moment all those teams move from West to East and then man- manage to get into the, the big 10 conference. Uh, but I will say this about Kurt Ferrans: My God, what a run. I mean, yes. he, he, hasn't done it with, uh, the flair. Okay. Of, uh, of the great one that, that preceded him, but my God has he lasted as long. I mean, you talk about a, a second act uh, to do what he's done for as long a period as he has um, is strike one for nepotism, baby, because (laughs) running that offense, no matter how bad it's looked, has been awfully effective for Iowa Hawkeye football.
3: Tim, sticking to the Big Ten, what are your thoughts on Penn State, Ohio State, a a massive game coming up this weekend?
10: If ever James Franklin's going to crack through, this is it. This is the team. Not since 2015 as he had such an opportunity. Drew Aller is the goods. Uh, right now, I would say McCord has improved, but on natural ability, I give Aller the, the edge. I do. Uh, I think the skill people for Penn State probably the only team that matches up uh, with Ohio State as well. I don't think Michigan's skill people are as good as as Ohio State's, but the quarterback play isn't as good with the Buckeyes as it you know, it has been in recent years. Um, I, I see Penn State shocking the world here. I don't think a lot of people believe that they can win at the shoe, but I think they're going to. I like the
7: Nittany Lions this week. So you have this game coming up on Saturday, huh? The, the game, like you mentioned, <laughs> with the lost Dodds and Houston coming off yes. a dramatic win. In Texas <laughs> with the, the off week. What are the chances, Tim? What must Houston – will they need Texas to throw up on themselves to have a chance on that? And Saturday? they could. Yeah. And they could.
10: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Texas is going to have to hurt themselves. Houston does not have the talent or the depth uh, to to stay with Texas if they're kicking in on all cylinders. But, fellas, you've seen it with USC. I saw it twice before they finally lost to Notre Dame. Um, you know, I had them uh, early in the season against Stanford, and Stanford looked as bad in the front – First half, excuse me, first half against uh, Notre Dame, excuse me, against uh, Colorado, as they did against USC in that game that I had for four quarters. Uh, I think that um, USC against Arizona State a couple of weeks later, you know, they were having problems with the snap. Uh, Caleb Williams dropped a couple of perfect snaps. He threw a couple of lazy passes that were picked off. Arizona State had the ball down six with a FCS running back that had transferred from Sacramento State that went for 200-plus total yards against them, Cam Scalaboo, and almost beat them in the desert. So what they did uh, against Notre Dame and how they they blew up in that game and their defense just caved should not have surprised anybody. I mean, should not have surprised. Now, it was perfect timing for Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman can send them a a thank-you letter, thank-you card, because – it looked great to his alumni after the debacle at the end of the game with, with Ohio State, but uh, Texas has had historically, okay, historically, they have made the same mistakes when they've uh, not been able to handle a full cup of success that USC clearly could not handle with a full cup of success last week, all right? So uh, Houston needs Texas to come in, you know, with their swagger. Wear the horns, looking down their noses at that commuter school that only has a stadium that seats about 35K and say, Man, we got you guys. Okay, we got you guys. That kind of attitude is what's kept Texas from being anything other than a paper brand since 2009. They've had those moments. And I don't care who the quarterback was. Okay, it could have been you name the quarterback post Colt McCoy. They've had those moments. They can't afford to have that against Houston, or Houston has enough personnel to step up and beat them. Do the, do the Cougars need some help? Yeah, they do. They absolutely need some help. What What I'm sure Houston wants to do is control the ball as much as possible, and that's what Dana's team has been working on all year, getting a run game going. Uh, Donovan Smith, as you know, can run the football. I think he will have some design quarterback runs, and uh, I think you'll see – Dana, at the point that he needs to turn it up, all right? And that's what happened at the end of that game against West Virginia. Even though they were trying to run the football and control possession of that game, because West Virginia could uh, light it up and score quickly too, when he went back to his old way of doing things and went back to the air raid and allowed Donovan Smith to have the level of confidence in his own game to make throws, he made 16 in a row. You know, And if you recall that call of mine, it was he's completed 15 in a row. He needs one more. Yep. And if he completes it, it's for the game. And it, and it was. Uh, I, I don't know of a team that can come in riding higher with more optimism that's an underdog this week than Houston. It all sets up so beautifully for them. Dana just got uh, the win that he needed in the Big 12 against the team that he left that was gunning for him. Uh, and, and those Houston kids that, had played pretty well, played very well offensively at Texas Tech, but lost because of uh, special teams breakdowns and some defensive breakdowns too. That op- the offense was um, was very good at Texas Tech, and it carried over into that win against West Virginia. And I, I think he's hoping for the same. And he's just going to need his defense to get a few takeaways, and then hope his offense is just as warm now as it was when I last saw them. Tim, uh,
8: Florida State is 19-0 and all-time against Duke. They're 14-and-a-half-point favorites at home this week. Uh, but Mike Elko has this team uh, playing really fundamentally sound football. Riley Leonard, maybe, maybe not. Uh, nobody knows yet. Um, yeah. is, this, is this the game that uh, Florida State should worry about losing their winning streak?
10: Yeah. Yeah, I would be on high alert with them because of the way Duke has played. Now, the Leonard, I mean, it would really be nice if they had him. Yeah, I mean, because he's fantastic. Uh, He was a real difference in the game with Clemson uh, earlier in the year. I don't know without him, you know, how effective uh, they can be, how many explosive plays they can have. Uh, You're going to have to have explosives to beat Florida State, especially there. I mean, uh, Keon Clark has been so good. Uh, he's He's the transfer portal player of the year. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, uh, Michigan State's loss was Florida State's gain. He's been a major difference maker. And uh, the reason I think right now Norvell can hold him up as a poster child for why you go to the portal. Did you hear me? Did you hear me, Dabo? Did you hear me, Nick Saban? Okay, these hard-headed old line coaches that that don't want to go there, they need to start thinking about it, no doubt about it.
7: Tim, uh, again, you look at where things are in college football, and there's always some kind of story. People it's like, okay, there's eight to ten, twelve. Who, how many unbeaten teams? Seven or eight. In the end, yeah. isn't it pretty much history? There might be one or two, and that's it, no matter what. Well, that's the history, but but this is
10: this this year has not resembled what our recent history has been. Uh, I can talk till I'm blue in the face about the level of parity. Uh, and I have in the past. I think there's a lot more balance in college football in recent years even. But until those four or five teams that seemingly are always wrapped up and we could say now in October, well, okay, we know it's going to be Ohio State, uh, Clemson, and Alabama. Oh, we know it's going to be Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. Oh, we know it's going to be LSU, uh, Clemson, and Michigan. We're not having that conversation this year. What we're saying is, My God, how how much more fun would it be if we had 12 this year? I mean, that's what everybody's saying, and I agree with that. Uh, The great teams with the big brands aren't as good, and a lot of teams that are on the come are better than you've ever imagined, and they're all capable of pulling it off. I mean, when a team as bad as Stanford, okay, is down 29 to nothing on the road against a Colorado team that's been – you know, the, the number one story in college football for the first month, and they come back and win. I mean, this year is like no other that we've ever seen. So I anticipate uh, more carnage. I, I don't think we're going to see chalk at any point this year. So your, to answer your question, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of unbeatens at the end. Hell, we might not have any unbeatens at the end. Okay, so will we see a two-loss team get in? I think there's a better chance – of a two-loss team possibly getting in than two unbeatens play. How about that?
7: Right, that's a possibility. Has Caleb Williams played himself or USC out of New York City? I think so. Uh,
10: I was asked the question uh, earlier in the year, do you think he can repeat? I don't think you can repeat in today's version of the Heisman. You know, when I started voting 30 years ago. Uh, getting a Heisman vote was precious. You, not many people voted on it nationally. Uh, You know, the old AP writers were voting on it. Uh, The people that covered the teams uh, were voting. And, of course, the the past winners. Now it seems like everybody's got to vote. And particularly now that we're doing it by Internet as opposed to in the mail, uh, I think that the vote in a lot of ways is skewed more in different directions than it ever has been. So I didn't think his chances were as good as a lot of people felt. Uh, before he laid the egg last week at Notre Dame. But it's not also helping him any, trust me, with a lot of the old traditional Heisman voters. When they hear a guy, even if it's – I don't know if it's true, but it has been reported, that he has said and his father has said, unless you give him a piece of ownership, he's not going to come. He can stay at USC for another year. You can play that kind of game at this stage from a public relations standpoint you can bet he's not going to get nearly the number of votes that he thought he might have gotten. So um, he, he's made his own mess in a lot of ways, I think. Just because you do Wendy's commercials and the decimal point on your NIL check is where it is doesn't make you brighter than everybody else.
7: Last thing, Tim, you had those two classic games. Uh, do you go home after you get back home, after the flight home? Do you just go home and sit in your recliner and just take a nap and veg out? What do you do? Sunday, I am a zombie.
10: I'm like The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like uh, the creature of the Black Lagoon, uh, you know, coming out of the swamp. Uh, honey, uh, I just want to watch the second half of this game and let's go get in the hot tub, can we? <laughs> Help me get to sleep. I don't, uh, I don't feel taxed at all during the – the two games in three days or the two games in two days deal, I, I, I don't. Uh, where you do feel it is on that – after you get off the, the red-eye home, you know you hustle to a flight at about 1230 in the morning on the West Coast, whether it's in San Francisco or Portland or L.A., and uh, you come through either Houston on United or DFW on American or, hell, I've even done it, flying over Chateau Brando, going to uh, Atlanta on Delta, when you get back home, you feel it. That's when you feel it. And then uh, after about an 11-hour sleep Sunday night into Monday, I'm good to go. I'm fired up to find out where the next one's going to be. And, um, I mean, don't be surprised. I know we're going to do two the weekend of Thanksgiving. We may do another two here in the next few weeks because of the number of games that Fox has. And uh, so far, they've been great trips. You know, we've had better games than I thought the uh, – Second game of the first double dip that we did was Arizona State having a chance against USC out in the desert. And then, of course, uh, that was a really good, not great, but good game between UCLA and Oregon State. We had on Saturday, and it was meaningful. You know, two teams ranked 14th and 18th in the country uh, trying to stay alive in the the race for the Pac-12. And the viewership's been outstanding. You know, the ratings are up everywhere, even those Pac-12 after dark games. We had over... 3 million people watching that SC Arizona State game a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago. And we had just under 2 million watching the uh, UCLA game, which given the fact that it was opposite Notre Dame and and uh, USC, that was a pretty good number. So more people are
7: watching college football,
10: fellas, than ever have. And that's a good thing.
7: Tim, great job. Congratulations on the weekend you had. Good luck with Saturday's game, Texas and Houston. We appreciate it, as always, with your Knowledge, experience, and also the backstories and and storytelling. Have a great week. I'll see ya. I'll <laughs> see you in a couple weeks. Tim Brando, uh, all of you in the chat room that loved the segment with Tim Brando. You mentioned Phil Bennett among some of the other guests that we have. They bring it. Softie's name was even brought up as far as that's concerned as well. Thank you so much for all of your feedback. We're not done. There's a little bit more to go. We have Paul's top five around the corner. And this is 365 Sports.
8: Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, a hidden gem. Uh, Absolutely uh, one of the best. And now they have uh, the location downtown. So, two locations to serve you. I'll talk about the original today uh, in that uh, it is. it is whiskey season for me, which is all the time, but the fall is a really good time to go check out your craft bourbons. There's, there's always kind of new and interesting things that come in, and if it's made in the state of Texas, believe you me, they've got it at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. So if you want to try something different, a different craft bourbon made right here in the state of Texas, they've got it, and they've got a bunch of stuff that's, that's made in other states too, especially Tennessee. They've got a lot of those as well, um, you know. Because of the song and all. Uh, there is so much great stuff at River Liquor and Wine. Go check them out. Speedy drive through window. Great customer service. Now two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the new location downtown on Franklin Avenue.
1: During RAM Power Days at Allen Samuels in Waco, get 2.9% for 72 months on new 2023 1500 Lone Star and Laramie 4x4 crew cabs or 11,000 off MSRP on Lone Stars and 12,500 off MSRP on
4: Laramies. Sick them, Bears.
0: Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started.
7: Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha DuBall, marketing director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
9: Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction.
0: You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And um, we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40-pound bundles. They'll be
9: full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners but also homeowners.
7: So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time what Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com.
1: This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe.
7: All right, so we started the show with a note about uh, Draylon Miller, the star at Silsby, decommitting from Texas A&M. It's just part of the deal with them not being as good as maybe people thought, and and, and then just, just as Craig said, that's part of the uh, recruitment of pretty much anybody. But then we saw this. I saw this note. And Garrett, you can discuss this, please. Please do. Mm-hmm. Keeper Sibley, who last year ran for 2,600 yards for Connolly, out of nowhere, ran for 2,600 yards, and he's already got 1,600 this year with plenty of games, you would think, at least the regular season and maybe a playoff game or two. How about this? He was getting... Offers, and he was taking some visits, but really nothing like this. Garrett, University of
5: Mizzou. Yeah, I've been waiting for a big program to finally step up and uh, offer Kiefer. I think his size is really what has teams kind of apprehensive. But to me, uh, when I watch him, he reminds me a lot of Richard Reese. Like the way Richard Reese is built, watching what he was able to do at Belleville, uh, I see a lot of similarities in both of them. Uh, Kiefer has excellent field vision. He can catch out the backfield. He can block. Uh, And his elusiveness and his patience running the ball, to me, are something that set him apart from a lot of backs in high school. Uh, But, yeah, I I think this is an excellent offer for him, and I expect more of them to come in because a lot of times on Fridays, Conley is good, but he separates himself, and he's the difference maker. I mean, you can just see the plays – um, like you saw that one that was up yeah. that Darby had last week, the game winner against Gatesville. It's really remarkable, Silly man. Silly good. It, it's, it's really absurd. And, yeah, I think you're going to see more and more teams start offering him the like Mizzou did.
7: I'm not trying to overdo it, but it was a video game run. It was oh, absolutely a, a video yes. game run of bouncing back and forth. Kim Coulter, thank you, sir. Super chat. Brando brought it as usual. Retired stockbroker had a comment during the Tim Brando segment uh, that said something to the effect, damn it, Brando going yard today. Great segment. I smoked two cigarettes, drank three beers. Doesn't get any better than that. Thank you, 365 Sports. That <laughs> was like a fun yeah. afternoon. Yeah. We appreciate yeah, that, man. We appreciate that so much with all of what you're doing. All right, um see here. Oh, also this from Kelvin Sampson. So they had Big 12 Media Days basketball. The difference, he's talking about being there today with all the other coaches. The difference is I was standing in that, we had a head coaches meeting a while ago. It was kind of like in a dog park. You've got two dogs walk by each other, kind of side-eye, or a little one starts yapping at the big one, and they start sizing each other up. I was kind of sizing them up. I said, it used to be, you could look at a few of those little dogs and go, I can get that one, I can get that one, I can get that one. I ain't seen nobody I can get in this conference. That's the difference. They're all German Shepherds, man. Where's the Shih Tzus? I wanted to say that. Where is the Chihuahuas? Oh, that's a Rottweiler. Oh, my God, that's a Pitbull. <laughs> oh, it's ton of good lines
8: today. It's great. Uh, there was a picture. Let me, let me see if I can find it, Garrett. Um, Bill Self had the absolute... Line of the day um, at Big 12 Media Days, the coaches were taking a picture. And, um, Garrett, I'm sending it to you right now. um, But they said um, Porter Moser was standing next to Bill Self and said. Yep,
7: I saw that. I put that up in the forums a minute ago.
8: Said that I better not stand too close to Bill Self. Somebody will call a foul on me. And Coach Self said only at home.
7: Yeah. yeah so
8: they well, they yeah. self-aware. self-aware. Uh, yeah he's self aware uh and you'll see the the picture here uh well, you don't have to show it, but uh but yeah, I, I should have said that to you earlier, but yeah, at least he admits it, you know, but look, part of the reason and I had to pick my season ticket spots for the the foster pavilion today, which is it's crazy looking the the diagrams and everything I, I can't wait to go inside, but they're part of the reason that. Baylor wanted to redo, and Scott Drew wanted to redo. Is he's been to all these places and seen the home cooking they get, and wants everybody wants to recreate that with the noise and the intimidation of the officials. It like uh, Scott Drew will give you academic research if you ask him for it on crowd noise and officials. He has it bet, at yeah. the ready. He, here, here's a copy. Like analytics here, yeah. boom. Here's the analytics yeah. on it. There you go. There's the the picture of them.
7: Right there, so yeah, um, yeah. But and it, Moser cracking up and Self kind of leaning over, but yeah, there's the comment only at home. Which, yeah, he take advantage of that man. Don't don't give up on that intimidation of what happens when you're at Allen Fieldhouse. So
3: yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you just watch the games that that happens. So I don't <laughs> think I think if he just didn't, you know, I, I'm glad that he's having fun with it. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's funny because it's true. That's why it's funny. It's because it's absolutely the truth. But no, I mean. He's obviously had a great run. Um, you know, see Tang and Drew there standing next to each other. I was hoping they'd have McCaslin over there with them, not on the opposite side, so you could kind of have, like, you know, all the the staff guys uh, at one point in time, they're standing with each other. But it looks like a fun league, you know, and bringing in some of the newcomers like Kelvin Sampson. I mean, he's certainly got the top billing as far as the, the marquee for the four newcomers go. But – um it seems like they're all having a really good time based on the pictures and sort of the quotes coming out of that. I think, you know, you'd have to be, yeah, you're sizing each other up, but you also mm. look around and there's all of the great coaches and all of the great programs that are in this league right now and that we're going to get a chance to see here very soon. And, yeah, I bet it is fun. I bet it's it's daunting, the challenge, but that's also what you signed up for. And, you know, the same way that Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher or Kirby Smart or whoever gets excited about, you know, balling the SEC and, and kind of the, the – rising tides lift all boats kind of thing you know i feel like that's probably much of the same with the uh, big 12 basketball coaches maybe it's not you know as uh i guess uh, as excruciating like deathly every little result you know as portrayed sometimes but i think there's probably that mentality of like yeah iron sharpens iron and there's a lot of iron in this conference right now
7: all right and then paul i brought this up to you craig absolutely you you are a, a, a snot a burp or a cough away from a five-game losing streak in the Big 12. I was
3: wondering where that was going. That was the way
7: it was was before because you had the – everybody played everybody home and away. Mm -hmm. If you got on the wrong side of a couple of games where you just played terrible, you were headed to a five-game losing streak. Now, from Brett McMurphy, Tulsa will attempt to set a Guinness world record for world's largest beer-tasting event Thursday – in their game against Rice, each participant required to taste three beers as they are guided by a certified, Paul, Cicerone. Sure. Current record, 1,243 people did this in Barcelona, Spain back in July of 2022. And cheers.
8: Uh, well, I would think that Tulsa, having been there,
3: they didn't uh, do this in Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series?
7: Yeah, I know. The, the, oh, that's right. I mean, the the, shot It was just shots. It wasn't yeah, beer. It was yeah, I know shots, what I'm but, just yeah. saying.
3: Like, that would be but, a prime spot. Absolutely.
7: I'll, I'll tell
8: you, um, I do like to dog on the state of Oklahoma quite a bit. Uh, but I have been to Tulsa. It's a cool town. Um, there's actually stuff to do there, which is not what you can say for most of the state of Oklahoma. Uh, and I do think that they have, uh, they have enough people that will um, vigorously break this record. I think twelve forty three is about to get shattered.
3: Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, it, it seems students like, alone. Yeah, it seems like they're setting it up to be pretty easy to do, if it, by the sounds of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, especially advertising. You could be part of a Guinness World Record. All you have to do is drink beer. I mean, and, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people signing and, up for that.
8: And look, there are there are fraternities that are going to go do this thing that say just three. Yeah, there might be some driving in from
3: Stillwater and Norman to <laughs> yeah. join them. I mean, for all we know. But no, I mean that's yeah, that's cool. And a cicerone, I guess that's how it's pronounced. It mm-hmm. seems that's how it's pronounced. It's yeah. a beer sommelier, apparently. So huh. we all learned a new word today, and uh. it's not sommelier. It's <laughs> That Cicerone is a beer sommelier, yeah, uh, is what I just gathered from Google. So is that yeah. not yeah. an
7: Italian name, Paul? Is that not an as
8: Italian sounding as it yeah. gets from my well, end? Sommelier
7: but. is French. I'm talking yeah. about Cicerone.
8: Yeah, it does. I mean, like I know some Cicerones, but I don't know if that's in. Did the – Did he you play know. catcher for the Yankees? Like I look, I don't want to talk about the Cicerones <laughs> that I know. I uh, know, <laughs> but uh, by the way, on the chat room, I'm I'm sure pretty sure it's Emery running our our staff account said Boo, Boo Paul
3: because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's
8: from Oklahoma.
7: All right, I'm going to here
2: has,
3: now. It, has some, it, it, yeah, it, it, it does. doesn't get very much credit ever in anything, but there are some pockets of it that are a lot prettier than giving credit yeah. for. Um, you know, I think Norman and Stillwater – I haven't been as much to Stillwater. Uh, I've spent plenty of time in Norman. It's, it's a fine college town, man. Yeah. It's no different than here or Absolutely. a lot of other places. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Oklahoma can get a bad rap at times. Not that it's all – you know, not, not that there's not parts that aren't that great for sure, but uh, I, I've definitely been able to experience with family up there some some brighter days than, than maybe a lot of people give it credit for. All right,
7: I want to address something Paxton put in the chat room. One, he thought Brando wanted Houston to win Saturday. I saw Spencer Tillman after the Oregon-Washington Classic where somebody said, Sorry, Spencer, the game for you and Brando didn't go according to plan. And I saw that, and I only saw that because I follow Brando and Spencer Tillman, and he had a great response. Listen, you're a fan. Say what you want, but, you know. And then Paxton saying that Brando wanted Houston to win. I think what Brando and Spencer Tillman, any broadcaster, wants is a great game, a memorable game, a game that goes down to the wire. Um, and so that's my opinion on that. Do you guys ever think – I? I I've heard maybe a few, but do you ever think like a broadcaster going to the game unless they're like doing a high school that they've done like we do midway, like rooting for one team to win? No.
8: Look, I think all you want is a good game because –
3: Because they're probably sitting there thinking the same thing we are. If Texas could win this 50-10 to on Saturday.
8: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. When you have – like you get to watch a game on television. If it sucks out loud, guess what you get to do? Yep. You get to leave. If you're broadcasting it or working it and it sucks out loud, you have to stay until the coach is done telling you about why it sucked out loud. So, yeah, they want a good game.
3: Yeah, I appreciate uh, the thoughts. I think with guys like that at this point, though, I I, I disagree. I think that they just want a good game, like y'all are saying. And I don't think that there's like, I want Houston to win. I I don't think there's anything in that for them. I I think that's also the dumb play. Like, if you're going to make a play, like, that would be – like, that's the – that's the long odds is that Houston wins this game or even makes it competitive. So you're kind of setting yourself up for failure there. Um, but yeah, appreciate you, Paxton. I'll, I'll just dis, I'll, you know, I'll disagree on that just because I think, you know, maybe if they were younger guys, I definitely hear that more and more of where it does sound like there's getting to be more hometowny broadcast um but i I don't think that's the case with them i think that they just want to be entertained like the rest of us but appreciate you nonetheless
7: yeah like i'm sure there have been some that have broadcast dion in colorado that are like like him or know him and there's part of that to it like kyle said spencer and dana holgerson travel in the same circles would be happy for dana to win but Professional. Those two guys, Brando and Tillman, if you have not well, listened to them, they Tillman's are also an OU fantastic. Guy. Yeah, exactly <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he would like to see Houston win that <laughs> yeah. game. But, All right, we stand you know, corrected. Never right. mind. Good stuff. When we like, come back. Gary, do
8: you just have the open for this so we can. Yeah. Oh, you want to go straight to yeah, it? Yeah, just go straight. Just play the
7: open. I wanted to say it. Oh. Oh, go okay. Ahead. No, go ahead. Just go to the commercial. This top five with Paul Catalina is next.
3: texas.com member
6: FDIC and equal housing lender in texas there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail guess which one hit our house we didn't even know where to begin but we called our texas farm bureau insurance agent and he was so
1: reassuring he knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal now we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads Stop
8: by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
7: Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and... And so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I
4: hate my job,
5: but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread really each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue, Scrambled eggs and brisket, ain't foolin' around Salsa drafts, on they're the best in town Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue
1: Time for Paul Catalina's top five brought to you by Texas beef house. Where's the best beef in Texas, your house. When you order from Texas beef house, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five enticing
8: coaching candidates. This, uh, I have to make a confession. I have to give Emory some credit here, and I think this is funny, and it's the only reason I'm telling you this story, is that the initial title was Top 5 Hot Coaching Candidates, hmm. and Emory thought it sounded like maybe uh, it I, was, I was going to do a fashion show or like a <laughs> – who would be those? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, top five most eligible bachelors yeah. in college football. Dan Lanning. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Uh, he seems to be. Yeah,
7: but with him, you got to keep one eye open, man. That guy's nuts. <laughs> yeah, he is a
8: little bit. Number five, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. Uh, again, I like. He's at his alma mater, but I do think that somebody is going to come and make a play for him and say, look. Uh, this is a much more certain future than you have. Uh, he's an excellent coach, and part of the the thing was inspired by Jake Dickert, who could have been on the list, but right now he's not. Uh, but Jonathan Smith, I'm 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 just very curious what happens with him now. People have left their alma maters before he's there. Um, I think he obviously he would want to stay there forever, but given their uncertain future, you know somebody can come and 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 offer him a really good gig, and he's a young and up and coming coach. Uh, they're They're good on defense, they're good on offense, he seems to have nice balance, seems to kind of know what he's doing. To me, uh, somebody needs to at least kick the tires on him if they have an opening, especially at at, at a Power 5 job.
3: Yeah, Brando had uh, very high praise there for the Beavers and uh, what they've got going on. And yeah, they've got a really good football team that's got plenty of opportunities to make a lot more noise the rest of this way. But yeah, I mean, I think if you have a head coach opening right now that's a Power 5 job and um, you're looking for somebody to, you know, come and you know, take you to the the next phase of, of your program, I mean you logically are gonna look at this guy and at least kick the tires a little bit on him and you may not bring him in for an interview when all is said and done or he may not have interest but you're definitely at least looking into the possibilities there and i've just been very impressed with uh, you know how good that team is all around uh, especially at home play some nasty defense dju you know was this big pro not a problem child and like he got in trouble and things but you know clemson just like we don't know man a like conundrum so yeah speak, a conundrum yeah. and you know here he goes off to corvallis and Working pretty well. I don't know. Working pretty well. Uh, I love Damian Martinez. Uh, I think he's a great back. And, um, yeah, Isaiah Ball. I mean, they, they got they got a lot of great players. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a guy you at least kick the tires on. Yeah. Number four, Jason
8: Candle at Toledo. Uh, really surprised he didn't get a job last year. He's got um, the Rockets at 6-1 and, uh, and and first overall in the MAC uh, right now. And... Yeah, we're in the West and the MAC, but they're they're probably going to haul off and win that thing. And he's someone that if I'm Michigan State, I'm thinking about this dude. He's got an excellent offense. Uh, when the offense isn't working, he's played great defense as well. The only loss in the season is at Illinois in Week One, thirty to twenty-eight. Um, he's a guy who's on the way up, and I mean, it doesn't just have to be a Big Ten school, but he's right there in the Midwest and. You know, certainly his recruiting base is the same, although he can't get as many kids as a Michigan State could. But this would actually, if I'm Michigan State, be my number one guy, uh, would be Jason Candle. Uh, so, uh, as far as, and that's the only big job that's open, and the only job that really is open right now, For now. is Michigan State. And so maybe they could jump on this pretty quickly. And while their, you know, alumni might want a bigger name than that. Like ah, I think you you got to look at results, and Jason Candle is certainly a young up and coming coach who can do some things.
3: Yeah, I need, I need to correct one thing. I said Isaiah Bolden. Silas Bolden is yeah. who I was referring to for Oregon State amongst their, their bevy of playmakers. But I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, Isaiah Bolden is somebody else entirely. So yeah. Silas <laughs> Bolden is uh, also a bit of fun. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I, I think you've had on some previous lists. Uh, I think maybe when the Michigan State job first opened up, yeah. that was somebody that you uh, yeah. mentioned. And so, yeah, he's, he's certainly in that pool of guys. I won't pretend to know a ton about him, but everything I've read or heard or listened to has been very positive about the upper trajectory and uh, the possibilities of, yeah, yeah, him being a, a great candidate for Sparty or perhaps for any other bigger jobs that open up. I All thought right. he was going to get the USF job. You, that, yeah. That's maybe when you're talking about Based it, yeah.
7: on how much you have a man crush on him, would he a, be a part of the top five hot coaching candidates? Jason candle. Look, he's a, I mean, you mentioned him. He's 60 and 33. He played at Mount union. So, you know, he knows how to win. Yeah. Um, uh, and and then coached there for a little bit, too, for about five or six years. So he's got a little bit of that in him. Yeah,
8: maybe maybe so. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm doing here and I don't even realize it. Yeah, uh, maybe. Num- number three, Charles Huff at Marshall. Um, you know, he gets talked about a lot. Like, uh, when you read articles or you hear people talking about coaching circles, you know, and, and you know, what – you know, who the next wave is. He had that big win over Notre Dame. Um, you know, and Marshall's been pretty consistent. Um, while they're not, you know, I don't, I don't think a team that, that people think of quite often. They're four and two, uh, right now. Uh, they're on a two game losing streak, but one of those losses was to NC State only by a touchdown. And they lost to, to Georgia State last week. Uh, they've got James Madison this week, which should be super interesting since James Madison is, is really, really good. But I do think, you know, if I'm Boston College there on the East Coast, which I think is about to come open, you could do a lot worse than Charles Huff and someone who's who's kind of exciting and innovative. Um, I I really do think that Charles Huff at Marshall is going to get some play here in the coming weeks because I do think um, you know we're at that point where some of those jobs are going to start opening up. It might not be a year like it was a couple years ago, where every job that was open was huge. You know, unless there's like catastrophic things that go on, or people go to the NFL or something like that. But there will there will be some interesting jobs opening up to some Power Five jobs. I think Boston College is the next one, and I do think they need to look at Charles Huff.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's you know, if Lincoln Riley decides like, oh, I'm going to go coach the Panthers or something, then Yeah. yeah, that could that could definitely shake some things up. But I mean, I I know it's not the the Bible by any means or the definitive guide to coaching. Hot seats, even though it's coach's hot seat, but yeah. you know that's something to just take a glance at. And like, dude, it's such a vanilla market that like the number two best job that could be, or no, they have they have Jimbo on top of the rankings. It's like he's not getting fired right now, though. Um, Aranda's like five or six. He's not getting fired right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the others just they aren't, like, Nate. Napier's on there. He's not getting fired right now. No, and, so, he's,
8: and, and, look, they're 5-2. and two. Yeah. They're not, He's not getting fired so, like, this year.
3: I don't know how often that's even updated anymore, but I know that yeah. it was a, a fun place to go at times, and I still do. But, yeah, it just goes to show you that there's just not, like, there's not there's not even five quality jobs for all these guys to go to right now. Yeah. So it's going to be fascinating to see how some of these do open up, like O'Reilly, you know, or somebody else going to the NFL. But, yeah, Charles Huff, I mean, certainly probably best-known Widely for that Notre Dame win, I would think still at this point, but Mm -hmm. yeah, good coach and uh, somebody who you definitely hear a lot about when when the speculation starts is it's not. Let's start off at the top and go down, but we are talking about who are guys that can make leaps, and, yeah, he's certainly somebody I, in that mix. I, I
8: think there need to be more Kalen DeBoer, Lance Leipold type hires as well. Sure. Where you are – Yeah, I don't want retreads. Yeah, where you're not necessarily just going, okay, who's the defensive coordinator at – Ohio State. A, at Ohio State. Like,
3: that's
7: Jim Knowles. I mean, you, you, know, did, if you didn't mention the defensive coordinator at USC. He might need a job. No, yeah, well – Do y'all uh,
3: even realize that Cliff Kingsbury's on that staff until you see him on the sidelines? Is that, like, yeah. register with y'all? No. With yeah. USC? Yeah. yeah. I completely forgot that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw him the other night and I was like, oh, yeah. He's on the staff now. I forgot about that.
8: Yeah. And That's it, awkward. Yeah. Pro- and probably, I mean, not that he's not working hard, but working a lot less hard than he was.
3: Well, yeah. yeah. Riley was consulting with him on the sideline, but he didn't have the headset or anything yeah. because it's not his his gig. But yeah. I was just, it was like, oh, yeah. I forgot. So he's an the- analyst? Yeah. Yeah.
7: Uh, unlike when Gary Patterson had headsets on when he was. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, no. I don't know
3: how all that works, to be honest with you. Either. I don't think that was supposed to happen, though. But no. yeah. You know, Although, Gary, though- Gary's. You know, all, always by the rules, right? He, he I mean, was that, that must have been a slip up. He, he was just listening to road. his own.
8: He was just listening to his own music. He is editing. the high road. Yeah, number two, Manny Diaz. And look, like they've been down the road with Manny Diaz head coaching spots a couple times before. But uh, he's either the, I mean, he's the best defensive coordinator consistently in the country when he is a defensive coordinator. So he's been at Texas. He's been at Penn. He's now at Penn State. You know, he was the head coach at Miami. And they didn't give him a long time at Miami, and it was when Mario Cristobal, you know, basically said, yes, I would come back there. They, they ushered Manny out the door before he really even got to get his sea legs. He's going to be a head coach again somewhere. I think he'll, he'll, he'll figure it out, but this is his defense is so good at Penn State right now. To me, there's no way he's not a head coach uh, come the, this, this offseason.
3: Yeah, just for clarification on Cliff, he is a senior offensive analyst, but he's also quarterback's coach. Very so coherent, he, he is a part yeah, of the – he, If
7: he's one of the ten.
3: I just don't even think about it because of Lincoln being there, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah. it was just interesting to see them on the sideline the other night. But, yeah, Manny Diaz, um, like you said, Penn State's playing some superb ball on that side of the coin. You know, his his coaching record kind of – iffy but you know you got to give guys opportunities and sometimes they grow as coaches and maybe he's one of those guys that's that's going to do that with a, another opportunity so yeah i think that's somebody that you know didn't work out well at miami uh or what you wanted it to be but that doesn't mean that he's not capable of you know doing something somewhere else at some point in time for sure
8: yeah i mean look you know if you had told bill belichick you won't be a head coach again exactly yeah. you know, after yeah, yeah, the yeah. first try i mean it's, it's sometimes i think that's kind of a silly thing number one mike elko Look, Duke is – not only are they good, like, this isn't a a Duke team that is just, like, good by Duke standards. This is a really good team. And the way they play is so ridiculously fundamentally sound that anyone would be crazy not to call Mike Elko for their head coaching position because – Where did he used to coach before then? He was at A&M as the uh, defensive coordinator.
3: Yeah. And – Oh, shoot. there's There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so – uh, and that's actually the ball they need to probably be playing, actually, in College Station uh, yeah, to yeah, some extent. Yeah. O- you know?
8: Outside of some name that we're not thinking of that can come in there and, and keep that recruiting the same and and tweak some things that Jimbo's not doing, I, I don't know. But Mike Elko, uh, his brand of ball travels. I also think that, you know, you will see, say he's at Duke for seven, eight years, the, you know, this is where he wants to be. You will see versions of Duke schematically that are different based on who's coming in. He has found the schemes on both sides of the ball that work so well for what he has because. Again, they're playing FSU this week. He does not have the athletes that FSU has. But I promise you, is going to have a hard damn time with that team because they're not going to jump off sides. They're not going to have false starts. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're not going to get called for holding a bunch because they know what they're doing. And that type of ball is good in any league, anywhere. You can win most of your games if you don't beat yourself. And that's, Duke does not do that, and that's what Mike Elko is really good at, not to mention he's a bit of a defensive genius.
3: I'm not uh, entertained really the idea of Jimbo being out after this year, and I think I want to go back to what I said earlier. You know, all he's got to do is beat Texas next year, and everybody's going to be,
7: Oh, that's <laughs> good. yeah, it's fine.
3: That, uh, yeah, um, but then lose to Texas, and that buyout money will appear real quick. But you know, that's that's a long time away, so. You know, if we get closer to that situation actually being more realistic, then I I haven't really given it much thought, but Elko seems like he would be a logical, yeah, choice. I don't know is, how much he enjoyed his time in College Station. If that's somewhere, he'd be like, absolutely. But, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger as far as blank checks and, yep. you know, big well, he facilities. Well,
7: he would know where it all is. Yeah, yeah, so
3: I'm sure that would be enticing to some extent. You know, kind of a, a downer that – you can't just expect him to be a Duke for a decade and see what he does. Maybe he will be. Maybe he realizes, like, hey, I've I got a sweet spot here, and it's kind of unique, and that's good and, and plays into my uh, plays into my likes. I'm not sure. But, yeah, he, he would be a, an obvious candidate for AM or any other big job that opens up at this point based on what he's done with the Blue Devils. Yeah. Adam
7: McDonald with uh, one more question to close out the chat. Great stuff, Paul. Thank you. Will the pack exist with just two teams? No. No, I, I, I legally or technically whatever, but in the end, no, they will not exist with just the two teams. I mean, I, it all just depends what happens
3: with this court case. No, yeah, yeah I mean, of course I mean, it does. And yeah, I, I, like the thing that I just have a hard time seeing is how you put a schedule together for next year uh, if it's just you two, and how all of that works. Like, are you treated as though it's the Pac-12 still, or is it like acknowledged that like you're not, you're just two schools, and you're one and zero in conference. Is that playoff worthy when the rest of your schedule is like anybody you could find that has an opening somehow that you could pay to yeah. come play you? So, like, that that part of it's very strange. We've and, seen and, how
7: hard it is to fill one but, opening, but maybe, eight or ten. Maybe there's an
3: alternative to that, but that's all we know it to be right now, and so that's where it's hard to see how that would work. But At, who knows? Yeah,
8: Adam, my best guess is what happens is they figure out how much money that the other schools are going to give them for whatever would be owed outside of the expiring media deal. So how much they have left, like what assets that that they retain is saying we're going to hold on to the Pac-2 or the Pac-12 and the name and all that, and then they make a deal with the Mountain West right away and they come in, and the Mountain West will get shares of that money because they'll get a boost, and that's the the merger we see because nothing else makes sense because if you have two teams, that means you've got a schedule. You have 11 games to schedule because – you're well, going to play each no, other.
7: No, 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 because you already have probably yeah, 3 non conference yeah, games. Yeah, it's some
8: non conference games. But still, so you have eight to nine Taylor games. Maybe. had to
7: play Albany and Long Island. Yeah. Because Law Tech wanted to change who they were going to play in back to back years. Thank you, Bobby B. Brock, and also MC Gusto, among everybody else, who uh, just kind of said goodbye to us. Thank you, Paxton. We love you anyway. Uh, no seriously we love the feedback we appreciate it
3: and there will be more conversation once there's some clarity there yeah you know but like right now it's just like who the heck knows until there's some things decided in in the courtrooms but uh yeah appreciate everybody for uh for joining us again
7: retired stockbroker kyle everybody kim coulter thanks for the super chat thank you garrett levi Emery, jack mckenzie paul catalina and craig smoke back at it again tomorrow we'll be On the air, Paul with a triple option at 1, and then we'll be back here with this show from 3 to 6. And don't forget, tonight, every weeknight at 1030, it is 365 Sports Tonight on The CW. Have a great night. I'm David Smoke.
2: DLMRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of.